Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Happy Monday. Boy, quiet, quiet day. Really not a whole lot going on in the in the world of sports, really. Yes. Welcome in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Tone the Shields. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Tone, what's up, man? How you making out? Hey, man. Happy Monday. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, it's so funny. You said um, not a lot going on in the world of sports. Um, I would have to vehemently disagree with that, my friend. I got you. I got you. I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would have to disagree, man. Um, it's been a very fascinating weekend, and the Philadelphia Eagles haven't even played yet. Yeah, that's that, that's what makes it that much more uh, exciting, right? Um, it gives us a lot to talk about. gives us a, gives us a lot to sink our teeth into. But man, uh, great weekend. Got a lot done around the house. I feel good. I smell good. I ate good. You know what I mean? So let's have a good show, man. Well, look, so I'm thinking I'm sitting, I'm always looking like 10 steps ahead. I'm trying to figure out, all right, exactly. What are we going to do uh, for the show? And yesterday morning, I'm like, man, we, we've dove into every angle of this Eagles game, man. What else are we going to talk about? And, and not much longer uh, word comes down that the Eagles, and by the way, let me give you the countdown, nine hours right now and 10 minutes until the Eagles and the Seahawks. And, and let's not bury the lead. The Eagles have clinched a playoff spot also for the third straight year. Nick Sirianni becomes the first Eagles head coach to ever clinch a playoff spot three straight years uh, for that, what that's worth. But the big story, as they used to say on Action News with Jim Gardner, is uh, what happened yesterday. We get word Jay Glazer first broke this from Fox Sports, and then a bunch of people confirmed it after that subsequently. And by the way, we're going to talk to Mike Sealski at 12 o'clock at 1.30. From Seattle, we will talk to Jeff McClain. But all right, so here we go. Uh, the Eagles decide that they are going to make a move, and they are going to—they are essentially flip the play calling here on the defensive side of the ball. Matt Patricia, who uh, came on board this year as a senior defensive consultant, will be calling the play. Sean Desai, who is still listed as the defensive coordinator, still has that title, 
will go up to the booth and he will not be playing calling plays. He will be just a defensive assistant as far as that role goes. Um, and so many things spur off of that and, and come off of that. So l- let's start with that one tone and then we'll get into the injuries and hurts illness because he's been downgraded to questionable and no slay and no Cunningham and no Jurgens Cause there's a lot going on and we'll get to all of it. I promise. But let's start with the Desai move. Um, when you first heard it, was your reaction good, justified, uh, desperation, um, ignoring the fact that you don't necessarily have the personnel on that side? How did you view the move with Desai? Uh, it's interesting because um, when the news came across the board, I was literally in the bathroom shaving my head. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, my phone goes off but I'm looking down. And I almost nicked myself because I saw what I saw. I'm thinking to myself, okay, whoa, what the what the, what the hell is this? And you said a lot of different things, right? Was it a knee-jerk reaction? Uh, was it the right move? Um, is uh is Harry Roseman trying to you know cover his behind? Um, you know, are we are are we masking personnel issues with coaching issues? How are we going to approach this concept, right? How are we going to approach this, you know, this 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 breaking story? And for me. Um, I kind of had a full range of those feelings. Um, I do believe it was a knee-jerk reaction, but I also believe the move was probably necessary. Because here's the thing, right? Sean Desai had this defense at the bottom of every valuable category on the defensive side of the ball. Now, look. I understand the Eagles have personnel issues at linebacker. Um, the DBs are pretty old, and you'd like some depth back there. And um, Reed Blankenship is battling injury, and your defensive line hasn't been able to get home as of late. You know, your your run defense has fallen off the fall off the face of the planet, so on and so forth. We understand that they have some personnel deficiencies, but I don't think they're that bad. And I think that's what Harry Roseman was looking at. Right. I was talking to John McMullen yesterday and he completely believes this was a hasty reaction, especially for a 10 and three team. And, you know, as the host, my role was to look at both sides of it and kind of, you know, um, direct traffic in terms of both points of the argument. Was it knee jerk? Possibly. Was the move necessary? Possibly. Right. So when you couple all those things together, you can understand the perspective of both angles. But the fact of the matter is, this is a results based business. Right. What we do is a results based business. And when you look at what Sean Desai has provided over the past 14 weeks, they have not been playing up to par. Now, prior to the bye week, they were inconsistent. You saw some flashes. You saw a moment. You saw you saw points on the defense where you said to yourself, "Okay, I can see where they're going with this. The Chiefs game, they shut them, they shut them out 17 points um through the entire game, no points in the second half, right? So mm-hmm. we saw okay, this defense can play well with this personnel. But then you have the Bills game and you have the Niners game and the, the Cowboys game. Granted, those three teams are some of the best teams in the league, especially the Niners and the Cowboys. But when you have games on the resume where you've shown what you can do with this personnel, but then you also have games on the resume where you act like you don't know what to do with the personnel as a head coach or as a GM or owner. Now I don't know who I'm dealing with at, at this DC position. So that begs the question, do you know what you're doing? 
or has the personnel gotten worse as the season went on? That's the debate right there. So, again, was it hasty? Sure. But was it necessary? Very much so. And that's how I look at it. What yeah, about you? I, I see, I have zero problem with making a move at this time of year if you've lost faith that this guy can do the job properly. And you've lost, they've clearly lost faith or you don't do this. So I don't have a problem with it. Uh, there is a precedent. Uh, when the Ravens won it, I think it was 2014, John Harbaugh fired Cam Cameron, who was the offensive coordinator, brought somebody mm-hmm. else in, and they ended cool. up winning the Super Bowl. Great so there's, yeah, there's precedent there. I don't, I'm okay with that part of it. I really, I really don't. I don't love it being this late in the season, but I get it. If you got to the point where you're like, we're cl- in your opinion as an organization, if you clearly think you're better than, than the output that you're getting from your defensive coordinator, I'm okay with it. Now, so there's a couple of offshoots off of that. One, A, you had Denard Wilson in-house, or you could have just hired Matt Patricia if you like Patricia that much or felt that strongly about him. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for the organization that this guy was demoted not even through an entire season. So that's a bad look, number one. But that's fine. The bad look thing is whatever. You get past that, and and you take the bullet you're going to take from people right now being critical of it. Um, Do I think that this defense has underachieved? Yes. Yes, I do. I think the pass rush could be better than it is. I think the secondary could be better than it is. I think the overall uh, ability to get off the field on third down, uh, red zone, could all be better. The only thing I would caution people is, and because I, I you know, I, I gave my feelings on this on social media yesterday, and I got a lot, a lot of people are really unable to understand, uh, comprehend things. It's wild, but um, Twitter, it's the yeah, wild I know. west, right? right. No, it's it's the lowest form of, of really human humanity. But I mean, but but what I tried to point out was, don't sleep on the fact that they lack personnel on the defensive side of the ball. The linebacker play is not good enough. The, the, the t- quality of talent is not good enough on that side of the ball. And the mm-hmm. secondary is not good enough either. So thinking that Patricia is going to come in and wave a magic wand and all of a sudden they're going to be a top five defense, I think it's too much. I do. Uh, I think people are are sleeping on that. I still believe, I think they can be better, but I still believe the offense is going to have to carry this defense the rest of the way. But Again, it does it make for awkward bedfellows with those two guys in the same room? Uh, he and he and Patricia. Yeah, I don't care about that. I just care what the team does, and I'm more concerned with getting more out of this defense than they've gotten. And in tone, the thing is, they weren't just bad; they were historically bad. They were like worst in the league, worst we've seen in a long time in Eagles football. Bad, like really, really bad. And, and, and I and I think that's the caveat, right? The fact that the matter is. This defense, yeah, do they have their deficiencies? But all defenses have their personal deficiencies. This it's just no no defense is perfect. You got to cut corners in certain areas. You got to rob Peter to pay Paul. It's, that's just how this thing works. You know, the best of the best find ways to make their team formidable while playing against the cap. So this is what it's all about, right? But when you look at this defense and you see a lot of names on it, Kevin Byer, Darius Slade, James Bradbury. Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. Um, I can go on and on, right? Um, when you see those names on your defense, you say to yourself, we should be better than 30th in the NFL mm-hmm. on third down or 32nd mm-hmm. on third down. We should be better than the bottom of the heap in terms of pass defense. We should be better than what we are in run defense right now, especially given what we provided prior to the bye. We should be better in these several categories, even with – 
our deficiencies. And I think that's what the organization is saying to themselves, right? We are better than this number. We are better than this ranking here. And I would have to agree with them. I'm not angry at the move, but I think it's also I, th I think it's also reasonable to look at it and say, wow, week 15, this is a hell of a time to make this move. Yeah. Is it is is it knee jerk? Is it hasty? Is it is 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 it a is it a is it a toxic environment you're creating? And then I and then I ask you this, right? You know, mm -hmm. this, this is something that I talked about with John McMullen yesterday, right? Who pulled the plug on this situation? Because earlier in the week, Nick Sirianni was speaking as if Sean Desai was his DC. He said, I have full confidence in this man. He did. Sean Desai spoke at his, at, at his Wednesday press conference as if he still was a DC, yep. right? This must yeah, have happened after that. If not, why? you can't send that guy up there knowing he's, he's getting the boot. And guess what? Here's what makes this situation even more nasty. What's going to happen is, remember, Sean Desai is, by by title, still the defensive coordinator. By title. But they've stripped him of all his D.C. duties and handed them to Matt Patricia. So this is what's going to happen. At those press conferences, we're not going to see Matt Patricia. We're going to see Sean Desai still answering for this defense. So this is a, th th this is a nasty situation that the Philadelphia Eagles have kind of created. Um, in their coaching room, in their coaching staff. Again, you're going to have a guy calling all the shots on defense, but doesn't have the answer for if things go wrong. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a very interesting. This is going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But again, Eagles fans, I wanted to be made clear. When we look at this defense and watch it all season, we all said to ourselves, "They got to be better than this, though." Like, yeah. we, like, 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 like we all knew this defense was going to have its have its quirks. We knew the offense was going to have care of the defense. We knew. All those things, but I think none of us expected the Philadelphia Eagles to be the worst team on third down. Mm -hmm. I don't think the, I don't think the the, uh, the the fan base expected this defense to be the worst passing defense in the NFL, right? I don't think no one expected those things. So when you so when you see that materializing on the field, you can't help but to feel like the current person you have in there isn't maximizing the roster. And I you agree. brought a very good point. Yeah, you have Denard Wilson in the building. Yep. Why not elevate him? I asked. John McMullen, this question. Why not elevate Denar Wilson? You elevated Brian Johnson. You had him in the organization. You guys see the thing is you guys uh, got a late start on the coaching search because you were in the Super Bowl. That's fair enough. You had Brian Johnson in the building. You elevated him. You had Denar Wilson in the building. Why not elevate him? Now, you had the interview, but you didn't elevate him. Why? Because his philosophies or the wrinkles he wanted to employ or deploy with his defense did not, uh, did not align with how – Nick Sirianni and uh, this GM once their defense ran right. This that that clearly told me Denard Wilson wanted to kind of kind of tweak. Yeah, he wanted to get away from the Fangio thing. Maybe be more aggressive. This is exactly. just speculation. Yeah, it, exactly. And, I, yeah. And, and, and and I spoke to John about that. And John pretty much, you know, based based off the breadcrumbs he's followed, that was the case. He clearly did not ace did not ace the interview because he wanted to add different things than what they wanted to do. Yeah. And therefore, Sean Desai was someone who was willing to play ball. We talked about this also. Sean Desai wasn't the first or second option, we don't think. Right. So, listen, man, this is a very fascinating situation that we're going to see unfold. But to believe Matt Patricia is going to come in here and is, like you said, wave a magic wand, and all of a sudden the defense plays better, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So, it's going to, it's, uh, last thing, he's also going to be kind of playing with a loaded deck that works in his favor. Let me tell you why. These next four weeks he has – Seattle, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. 
if he can't get this defense looking better in those games, I don't know who can. Mm -hmm. So he's in an optimal situation. Yeah. He's got every opportunity as opposed to going through, uh, you know, Dallas twice and Buffalo. 49ers and, City and, and Chiefs 49ers, and blah, 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 blah. There's much more of a, of a, an, an expectation to get this thing going for at least num numerically, it's going to look better going into the playoffs so that there is a great advantage. It's, it's one of the reasons why you do it now. What I, I thought though, tone. Well, I mean, I think some of it, let me put it to you this way. I, I would say it would be more feasible if you did it after the Seattle game. However, let, let's say the defense goes out there and plays great. You, there's no way you could make this move on Desai if they went out there and played great. So I, I would just be curious about the timing of this. You know, it's one of the things I'm going to be fascinated to hear from Nick Sirianni after the game is, you know, you sat up there and, and said you still had confidence in the guy. You, he was sent up there Thursday to speak to the media. Did this happen like literally Friday? Did it happen Saturday morning? Like what, what spurred the change so late in the week? Or did you already make that decision and just wanted to have, make sure it looked the same to not tip everybody off? I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is there's a lot going on. I mean, the, Jeff McClain, who we're going to talk to at one 30 in his piece today said, nobody doubts how smart this guy is, but he lacked confidence and the players saw that in him. He was mm. you know, the feeling was he was not a guy who was really strong in his convictions. And that's not a good thing, you know, when it comes to players. So that wow. that's a that's players a big can smell part. that. That's they a can big smell part. from a mile away. You know, yeah. it's, it's funny, right? You know, when, when we brought up the uh the magic wand aspect of things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um I'm reading the live chat and uh some ask, where is this magic wand narrative coming from? Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, here's the thing. This is this happened a day before game day. Right. That's what we're talking about. You make this change a day before game day, mm -hmm. which implies you believe he's going to he's going to be the difference on game day. Right or wrong, Rob? Is, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I so, think so. So that's where the metaphor magic wand comes from, because a magic wand can make some can can make something appear and disappear at the wave of a wrist. Yeah. Uh, yes. Demoting Sean, demoting Sean Desai on a Sunday when you play on Monday and elevating Matt Patricia is a move that comes at the flick of the wrist. He's not going to change but so much on Monday, today. Well, the but other you, thing is... But if you made the change earlier this week, then you have time to install some things or make yeah. some major changes or whatever it may be, In, right? Unless this happened earlier in the week. Unless and they just didn't it reveal. happened earlier in the week and they did a hell of a job masking it in, in those press conferences. Which but they we could will have. But we will never yeah. know. Well, and the other thing is like... We, I know it's frustrating, but here's the deal. We all have to be big boys and big girls. GMs and coaches lie. Yes, very well. They lie. Very so, well. So, you know, because I saw a lot of people today say, well, Sirianni said that, but they lie. Okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> they lie. Your, so your head just, coach lied to you? Yeah. I mean, oh but my that's, God. you know, that's the thing. We have to get away from this. Oh, my God. But, he, but, he, but this is what he said. I mean, what he said and what they do are two different things. So that's part of it. Um, you know, and I think the other thing is too, a lot of, a lot of the reaction I saw yesterday was, okay, now the Eagles are going to be this like balls to the wall, uh, go back to Jim Johnson, uh, buddy Ryan days and just blitz nonstop. I, I don't think so. Here's why above Matt Patricia, the organization still doesn't believe in that philosophy. They still believe in not giving up the big play. So, I, well, I think it's going to look a little bit different. I think there's going to be twists on things for sure. And I think, you know, what I think they really want him to drill down on. 
I, I just think they feel like the defensive line should be getting more sacks, you know, plain and simple. And I know some of that is a result of the fact that you're trailing in all these games and teams don't necessarily have to throw like they did last year when, when you were losing, when they were losing, you know what I mean? Like that's a big part of this last year. When you jump to a lead all the time, teams have to have to almost throw the run game out and become one dimensional. And then your, your pass rush can tee off. That's not the case. You're usually you losing at halftime this year, but anyway, um, I think they believe they should be able to get more of a pass rush, which mm-hmm. I get. I agree with that. Um, and I think they they also view it as we shouldn't be this extremely bad in right. these categories. Like we should it, not be. They're right. Yeah, they're no, right. they are right about that. I mean, if uh, so, so real quick, this is all going into yesterday's play because the Eagles obviously haven't played this week yet. They play tonight. Mm-hmm. All right, so 33-plus points last three games. They're averaging giving up 36.3. That's an insane number. Um, 75 points the last two games. They're, they were 28th in points. They were 28th against the pass. They were last and third down conversions. They were um, – they had given up 87 third down conversions. That's last. Red zone efficiency, 30th. Interceptions, 31st. Takeaways, 20th. 17 touchdown passes allowed last six mm-hmm. games. Second most in the league. Tied for third to last in third down sacks. You get the, you get the idea. It, it's across the board horrendous. Callie makes a good point. Callie Green. He says, Dorsey was fired um in buffalo and the bills offense has really gotten it together i mean it, it you could say it's coincidental you could say it's not but they have played much better as an offensive unit uh than the eagles here's here's one other issue and i'm the re, i i'm glad he brought up the bills okay <laughs> so the bills yesterday took the cowboys apart um 31 to 10 and it wasn't even that close dallas got a late garbage touchdown the Bills yesterday ran the ball 49 times for 266 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So herein lies my issue. We we can we can lay it all at the side, and that's fine, and that's fair. It's fair game. I just and, gave you numbers that are just horrendous. And the fact of the matter is, it, their issues. Okay, so Brian, Brian Johnson's okay. We're we're good here with this. We're we're good with that. Nick and Brian Johnson couldn't figure out that to to, to you know take advantage of the Cowboys. You pound it down their throat. I mean, are we okay with that? Are we just ignoring that part of this thing that the offense has, has wholly underachieved here too, uh, you know, during this stretch? Other than, you know, I know the great second half against Buffalo. I know they had their moments. But mm-hmm. as a as a whole for four quarters, the offense has stunk too. Mm-hmm. So let's not lose sight of that fact. That's all I'm saying. Like, I definitely think the defense – I'm good. Again, I'm good with the move. I don't, yeah, I, don't I am too, by the way. I, don't, I want to make that clear. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very good with the move. Um me personally, I just like looking at all angles of it because that's the you know that you know I, I I like getting the full meat off the bone, right? You know, I, yeah. I like making sure I I dissect this if dissect it from every angle because, um, me personally, when I really when I really look at this move and think about everything that's surrounding it, I think they made their mind up right after that Dallas game. Yeah, I think they made their mind up, but they went through the whole week, you know. Playing, you know, you know, you know, playing the media, all that, you know, doing everything he had to do, and also his, maybe not wanting possible. to tip any kind of hand to Seattle, right. and then it got but out I yesterday. Be, yeah. And I wouldn't be like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, this is my personal opinion, right? Yeah, I really believe they made the decision that night. So on, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they made the decision on the plane. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. again, I think this move goes way above Nick Sirianni. I did too, right? Did and too. you brought up such an amazing point about. That Bills game as well. I, um, you know, just shifting it a little bit. You saw the Bills. You know what's so awesome? They they got rid of Ken. They got rid of Ken Dorsey because Ken Dorsey was trying too hard to make 
Josh Allen look like this superior being on the field, right? You know what Joe Brady's doing? He's saying, listen, we're going to win the game. And whatever your numbers are in between that, so be it. Yeah. And and it's I've spoken to John about this. I've spoken to Celio about this. I think we've spoken about this a couple of times, too. Um, there are some offensive coordinators who care more about putting up numbers. Yep. There are some who care more about winning the game. Yeah. Joe Brady, what happened yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys and those Bills? Joe Brady for the Bills wanted to win the game. Yeah. He didn't care about his quarterback throwing for gargantuan numbers and getting into a shootout with Dallas. That wasn't what he cared about. He went in there to win the game. Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, maybe I need to take uh, uh, take a page out of their book and get and, and get more focused on winning the game rather than focused on the analytics saying what the numbers are telling you you should do. Yeah. Use your damn eyes. Yeah. Everyone's eyes told you that the Dallas Cowboys struggled with stopping the run. But no, that's not what we did. We felt the need to play to their game and so on and so forth. So, um, but also, obviously, turnovers happen happen in that game. So it's it's it's, it's easy for me to just say they didn't run the ball right because in that first drive they tried to get it going in, in various ways and they had a couple big runs, but they fumbled the ball. But the bottom line is, the blueprint is out on the Dallas Cowboys. Run the ball, be physical at the line of scrimmage, get them on the road. Yeah, they are not the same team on the nope. road. Totally different. They are far from the same team on the road. And mm-hmm. that's the and that's the biggest problem with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That's why they lost. That's, that's why they lost in Philly. They're, all their losses have come on the road this season. Yeah, they right. are not the they are not the same team on the road. So again, Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, let this be a lesson learned. Yeah. You got away with you, you got away with it. The, the Cowboys lost yesterday. So now you're back in pole position. Don't overthink this thing. Mm-hmm. You have everything that you need. Do not overthink this thing. Okay, that's where I'm at with it. Well, you're in a, you're in a spot right now where with your with the Cowboys' loss, if you can win out, you are at least going to win the division. Which means if you meet the Cowboys at some point, you'll at least be home. Okay, and they're a completely different team on the road than they are at home. Now, you need help. You need San Francisco, and the the best chance is this week coming up. They get the Ravens, but. Even if you forget that for a minute, just the Cowboys are a totally different team. So you're in the driver's seat going into tonight's game. And look, we haven't even dipped into tonight's game because there's a lot going on. They downgraded Hertz to questionable because he's so he he has that illness and he flew by himself to Seattle. Now here's my guest tone, and we'll you know we'll further get into this in a second. Mm-hmm. Knowing this guy, they are going to have to you know put an armed guard at his door you know, at the hotel for him not to play. I would guess he's going to try and give it a go. The question is, at what capacity is he? If he was that sick that they didn't want him near his teammates, you know, and, and, and flying out on the, on, the, on the team plane, we'll mm. see. But let, let's get into that. Let's further the discussion here with Desai and the move made to put Matt Patricia in as the, as the play caller. Technically, Desai is still the defensive coordinator, but we know what this means, okay? So he's calling yeah. plays. And I want to get a little bit more into how he's in this. Uh, how how we view this thing, some of the other things. Like, we didn't even get Geno Smith has been downgraded as well. Um, so we may be looking at Drew Locke. There's just a lot going on. For Man, this game is going to be wild tonight. I don't, I don't know how we're going to get through the time here, uh, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll do it. Uh, so 12 o'clock, Mike Sealski, 1.30. 
Jeff McLean. We got you covered every single way. He is Tony Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. Let me tell you about Bravo Pizza. Havertown, been going there since I was a kid. They're family owned since 1985. In fact, I was in there over the weekend with Alex and his great crew putting out that unbelievable food. Got got a pizza, got a salad, killer, absolutely killer. Uh, they have the best selection, and they have 20 different styles of pizza. They have the specialized pizza, however you like it. They also have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings. Across the board, they got you covered. They're also, Bravo Pizza is very committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for Little Leagues, for school, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're at 1310 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center. Uh, and you can reach out to them at 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810, Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Here's a little more. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. 
Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you are doing well out there as we are one week away from Christmas. We are Sports Stakey's Tone. I'm Rob. I want to remind everybody, Tone, that we uh, I talked to Gunner yesterday, um, and you know, Trish is doing well. She's, she's, uh, she's making improvements. Um, they're hoping to have her home this week uh, before, uh, before the Christmas holiday. Uh, comes up but he said that you know there it's it's slow but sure um and her spirits are good and her attitude's great and she's very excited to get back and you know be home in her in her own the, the comfort of her own home so anyway uh you could go to you can see it pinned on there in the chat section you could go there and donate anything you could to help Derek and Trish it's a real long road back um in terms of the rehab in terms of some of the modifications they have to make around the house to accommodate Trisha's, uh, you know, situation. So anything you can do is great. Um, and you can also go to Derek's Facebook page and you can link right up there as well, whatever's easiest for you, but, uh, appreciate anything you can do. Yeah. Shout out to our guy, D gun, shout out to his family, shout out to his wife, Trish. Um, uh, more prayers and more blessings are on the way. Best believe that, um, we got you back here over here, D gun. So, um, yep. we appreciate you guys for always uh, locking in on the content. Uh, we appreciate uh, those who've been able to support in any way possible. Uh, means a lot to us. Means even more to them. Um, so again, if you guys do want to support, um, the GoFundMe link is in the live chat. Um, whatever you are able to support, whatever you are able to provide, excuse me, um, it's still meaningful um, and it's valued all the same. So we appreciate you guys, and uh, you know, let's keep yeah. on going with the content, man. So much more to talk about. Yeah, appreciate it, everybody. So, uh, and good to see everybody in the chat. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, it's going to be fun tonight, you know? I mean, you know, the thing is with all of the stuff happening here um, from an Eagles perspective, whether it's the coaching stuff, whether it's, you know, they're not knowing if Hurts is going to play, what are they going to do with Slay not playing? Who's going to cover Metcalf? They're going to be without Cunningham, their best linebacker. They're without Jurgens, who they typically run the ball better with. Like, there's so many different storylines going into this game, but these are the kind of things that make sports fun, make it interesting. Right. And it's not just the, okay, well, it's going to be the Eagles best against Seattle's best. It's never that way in football, especially this time of year. So they're dealing with a lot of different stuff, man. Uh, That is for sure. All right. So let me, let me, let me throw this at you tone because we did touch on it a little bit, but this off season, the, the Eagles had to make some very tough decisions. Um, So they let Javon Hargrave walk. They let um, CJ Gardner Johnson walk. They let TJ Edwards walk. They let right. Kaiser White walk, Marcus Epps walk, among other folks on the on the defensive side of the ball. Now, some of this is just a result of being in a salary cap league. You know, as much as we think of, of Howie as a magician, it, sometimes you got to pay the piper, and 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 you, some some contracts are be too rich for your blood. Um, but if you look at it now, I still contend that this is a defense 
that lacks talent really badly in certain areas. Now, some of this is, is also affected by injury. They lost Devontae Maddox, who they could have back by early as next week, by the way. Um, but they lost him. They lost some other pieces along the way. And frankly, I just don't think that they were good enough uh, in other spots. So how much of this does Howie wear? He has to wear a lot of it. I mean, you know, when you think about the moves he's made, you replaced T.J. Edwards, a guy you developed, by the way. You replaced T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White with Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow, and now you have uh, Shaq Leonard in there, but you tried to force-feed us N'Kobe Dean when in. It was, it was quite plain to see that he wasn't, um, able to do the job, nor was he able to stay healthy. This is his second time on IR this season. So, you know, it, it's just like this offseason going into this season has just been plagued with a series of miscalculations, right? Am I going to kill Nick? Am I going to kill Harry Roseman for bringing back James Bradbury? No, because James Bradbury was an all pro corner last year. So you so you brought him back in good faith, thinking he would at least give you something close to that, right? Um, do I kill Harry Roseman for uh, renegotiating with uh, Darius Slay? No, I don't. I don't kill him for renegotiating with Darius Slay and bringing him back for another season because you know Darius Slay, even though he had a a a less than a less than uh, satisfactory back into the season, even though it didn't go up to his standards, the standards that we're used to seeing with Darius Slay, bringing him back in good faith still made sense, right? He, you still felt like he had something something left in the tank. Um, elevating Reed Blankenship. Was that a bad move? No, I don't think so because he showed you that he could play. And um, if you continue to develop him, he could, he can continue to get better. He showed you that he was a sure tackler and he was also he also had an ability to make some plays in, in certain spots. Um, losing out on CJ, losing out on CJ GJ at the time, I didn't even kill him for that because clearly the negotiation soured. Clearly, CJ GJ overvalued himself and he ended up getting what eight million from the Lions uh, mm -hmm. on a one year deal. Yeah, and now and and and, and you know, he, I think he just came back, or he's eligible to come back. He, he'll um, be back this week. They they think he'll play this week. Yep. Right, right. And who's to say that same injury would have occurred or wouldn't have occurred in Philadelphia? We'll never know. That's um, that's uh, yeah, it's impossible. To know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's a revisionist history. So there are certain moves, and also we don't kill him for losing on Javon Hargrave. They want they gave him twenty plus million dollars. You drafted Jalen Carter. Okay, not a bad replacement. So. When I really look at the, the different moves he's made, for me, the moves that really stood out the most go to that linebacker position. Yep. You put N'Kobe Dean in a position where he wasn't necessarily poised to be as successful as we probably would have liked him to be. He played almost no snaps last year, and all of a sudden he's the green dot. That didn't sound right to me. Mm -hmm. And to allow T.J. Edwards to walk for less than $7 million a year, that's more practice to me, especially if it's a guy you developed. Now, did you draft that? We know the Philadelphia Eagles love their draft picks, but you picked up TJ Edwards, what, a day later or the day of? You know, as soon as the draft's over, teams attack the undrafted free agent pool. You found TJ Edwards and you developed him and you let him walk. Mm -hmm. That's malpractice. You mm -hmm. can't do that. You developed the guy. And this league is made up mainly of sixth, seventh round picks and undrafted guys, right? There are more undrafted guys playing right now in the NFL than first rounders. So when you think about it from that perspective, why lose out on a quality guy like that? Now, was he the best linebacker in the league? No, but he played the position the way it was supposed to be played, and he gave you reliability and stability at the position. It's malpractice. practice. So when you look at this roster, Harry Roseman 
um, definitely dropped the ball. Did he do enough to satisfy the edge rusher position in terms of depth? No. Why? Because we see Josh Sweat playing more snaps than he probably should, right? Um, are they giving BG enough snaps? Maybe not. Are they give, Did they give Nolan Smith enough snaps, enough snaps early? No, they did not. So there has just been a series of miscalculations throughout the season that the Philadelphia Eagles are paying for right now. So I think Harry Roseman does have to wear a lot of this. And when you think of when you couple that with the Sean Desai demotion, which in my opinion is a pseudo firing, he's not going to be here next year. I don't know. Question. So, he's gone. So, so, so when you couple that with the Sean Desai uh, demotion, it looks like Sean Desai has been scapegoated. It looks that way. That's one way to look at it. Now, do yeah. I now do I believe he's being scapegoated? Not necessarily, because again. When your defense is at the bottom of every meaningful category, that goes beyond just personnel to me. To me. I agree. Well, I, I think it's whenever something goes to this extreme, it's usually a little bit of everything. Uh, they they didn't – look, when you have seven, six, seven new starters on the defensive side, you, you, you were going to take a hit. We talked about this all mm-hmm. preseason leading up to the, to the year, and I said – Brian Johnson's at a greater advantage than than Sean Desai is because mm-hmm. his personnel has almost stayed the same. He had a change at guard and a change at running back. On the defensive side, you had a lot of new starters and a lot of, you know, you had to mix in some younger guys and figure it all out on the fly. It was going to be tougher for Desai naturally. That said, it shouldn't look this bad. Uh, but I, I also see people in here uh, saying – the the talent on the defensive side is it, it isn't that much worse than last year. I just I fully disagree. I mean, first of all, you had you have less speed. You have significantly, well, significantly less speed on the defense uh, this year. Um, yeah. so significantly less um, stability at linebacker. Yeah, you have way more. You had better players and better depth at linebacker. You were healthier across the board. Um, you still had Hargrave, who got you 11 sacks. Brandon Graham had a much better year last year, got 11 sacks. You know, did you – again, I don't have the problem with the Hargrave moving on, but – He's an established guy who was who was ferocious at getting after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've had guys like Bradbury who have lost a step. You know, Slay, who's okay, but he's not special. So mm-hmm. guys have gotten worse. You don't have as, mu- as, as many people on that side of the ball. So I wholeheartedly disagree with the, hey, they have just the same amount of talent. I don't think so at all. No, and by no, the way. No, you know what it is? They have the same amount of names. It's well, names. And the other part is. For everybody who wanted to run Gannon out of town, who hated Gannon, you know, uh, maybe Gannon was a little bit better than you thought. If you think they had the same amount of talent this year and last year, maybe Gannon was pretty good. I don't know. Just throwing it out right. there. So, right. So pick your poison. You got to pick a side now. Was, yeah. was uh, did, did they have the same amount of talent? If so, that means Jonathan Gannon wasn't the issue. Right. Or was there a talent deficiency? Which implies Sean. Which implies Sean Desai was wasn't given a fair shake. Right. The, the other so which thing is, is it? The, the transitive. Hey, C.J. Gardner got hurt in Detroit. He would have gotten here. I see another one. Javon Hargrave is hurt. Does that mean he would have gotten hurt here? Did he get hurt on? Would it be the same exact play that would have happened? Like, can it's we, not how can life we works. just be a little bit brighter, people? I know you're begging for attention. I get it, but let's be a little bit smarter, okay? Let's think. Right. It out a little bit more, a little deeper. I get it. Right. I get it. You're trying to troll, and I get it. But just you know, like you, think it out a little bit more. You know, intelligence is just as admirable um, as beauty, right? So yeah, don't think you have to make an ass of yourself just well, to get seen. And you're not going to get we're, seen. <laughs> we're going to notice you if you're we're like we're going to notice you if you're intelligent, 
right? Yeah. And here's the thing, right? That, that's only like 1% or 2% of the I market, agree. It's right? a small, you small know, minority. Like 98% of you guys know what you're talking about. Exactly. You know, a lot of people say 99. No, I'm saying 98 because I, I think 2% of you guys are just idiots. Yes. But 98%, and you know who you are. Yeah. 98% of you guys are actually pretty rational, pretty smart fans. Agreed. And I want and I want you to I want you to give yourself a pat on the back. You yep. know, um, hit dogs holler. If it don't apply, let it fly. So again, the 98% of you guys that I'm talking to, you know who you are, right? Exactly. You right. guys, you guys are pretty intelligent fans. You know, there's mm-hmm. only a, a few of you guys who seek attention and you know, yes. kind of, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. listen, man, I'm back to the topics at hand, right? Just because you know, production has dipped doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. Um, that was on purpose. I don't, I don't know who said that, but that was on purpose. Oh, uh, there's some, there's some brilliance oh. there. All right, wait, so wait, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Rob. Well, I think the other <laughs> thing you look at um, that do the do the, Howie and Jeffrey and whomever else make these decisions. I, I I think Nick is involved. I don't think he's totally separate from this, but he's you know I think they they certainly have greater say. Do they need to be more flexible? Um, in the sense that okay. Maybe I'll just, and again, hypothetically speaking, if Denard Wilson wanted to do things a little bit differently from the way that Gannon did it, do they have to be more willing to embrace that like a different look than exactly what they think? And, and, and I think maybe that kind of, that kind of thinking gets them in trouble sometimes where it almost has to be, man, if he doesn't fit exactly our, our mold of what we're looking for, then you know we're going to give a direction again. I don't know all the personal dynamics. That's the the, the problem with an example like Denard Wilson is we don't know what the personal dynamics are that went into all the decision making. But I do have to ask that. I mean, it, you the guy you decided to bring in got through thirteen games before you made a change. So that's a bad look, no matter what. If whether it was Denard Wilson or somebody else, it's a bad look. Yeah, and you brought up an interesting point, right? Um, with with, with uh, Denard Wilson. Um, even if he did want to bring in some different wrinkles or whatever, that should have never been a problem. You want to know why? Yeah. Because I'm a firm believer. If you if you continue to do things the exact same way you've always done them, then you kind of put yourself at a disadvantage against the competition. Yep. So for me, if Denard was, and I, and I highly doubt he would have just completely dismantled the big Fangio style of defense, but I'm pretty sure he would add more wrinkles, got a little bit more creative, you know, sure. would have, you know, maybe switched up some tendencies, right? That's what you need when you are at the top of the heap and everyone's watching you and trying to, and trying to figure out what you do well and why you're number one in all these categories. Teams are going to try to figure that out. So you're going to need someone to bring in a little bit of creativity in what you're already doing. That's what Denar Wilson, in my opinion, was trying to do. But then you yeah. let him walk. He goes to Baltimore and he has those DBs playing out of their minds. And that defense is, I think, top five in almost every category. So when, when you think about it from that perspective, they wanted to bring in someone that they could control, that would do things exactly the one, exactly the way they wanted to be done, which is the same exact way. Right. And with that mentality. It, it makes you understand why the offense has been what it's been. They want guys to do things exactly the way it's been done and not change a damn thing about it. And yeah. then we wonder why the offense has been lagging or why the offense is, I don't know, predictable, right? Why we've I been just, seeing – go ahead. One of the things that bothers me, Tone, about that, about the running thing is, and this is not a knock on any uh, any particular pundit, but – Whenever you push back and you say, look, I would just like to see them run the ball a little bit more, put more emphasis on it, try to run it a little bit more effectively. And I get like they haven't run it well when they've tried lately. But 
it doesn't mean you just quit on it because you're not going to quit on on throwing the ball if you're not particularly successful. That's because they haven't committed to it, right? When you're just right. doing something just to do it, 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 it never looks the way. Look, you, you, your parent ever tell you to do something, and you just do it because they said it. But you know, the result probably would have been way different if you actually would say, you know what, I'm going to actually try to get this done the way they wanted to get done. Exactly. And I want to try to. I'm, I'm really going to commit myself to making sure my parent sees that I want to. I want to check this box for them, right? Right. And the, the results is different. You know, it's, it's, it's when you're not trying, you're just okay. I'll do it just to say I did it. It's not. It's not the same as committing yourself to it. It's not. Yeah, I agree with that I agree with that. I, I I just there are a lot of people that like, in my opinion, who cover the team, who feed into the party line of what the team believes, and they're like, you don't need to run the ball anymore. Well, okay. Again, just look at last night what Buffalo was able to do against the Cowboys. Thirty-one so, points. On yeah, 95 and, and, yards passing. Come on. And I don't think anybody is calling for, you know, a 75-25 run, even though that was the it was the, the extreme last night in Buffalo. I don't think anybody's calling for that. Just a little bit more emphasis on it. That's all. That's all. Um, so anyway, um, it, it's to me, I think, something that you have to look at. So let's hit a couple of things. Mm-hmm. All right. So Hertz was under the weather to the point where they he didn't fly with the team and they downgraded him to questionable, which is better than doubtful. Um, so that's a concern. And and even if he plays is, is physically, is he going to be able to hold up? All right, Right. we'll see. They're already without slay, which means it's probably Keely Ringo getting the start. If it's not Ringo, they could go Ricks. They could go Job. They could move Roby off of the slot. There's a lot of different things that they can do. I don't know that they'll, if somebody's getting beat early, um, you, you might see them change things up. That for sure. You could see that adjustment. But that hurts, and have, not having Zach Cunningham at the linebacker spot hurts because now Shaq Leonard is is really thrown into the fire. Um, you know, a guy who who probably doesn't know the system all that well, and we just don't know where he is physically. So he is he's going to have to play um, tonight. And but the thing is, Seattle's dealing with their own stuff too. Gino has been downgraded. Tom Pelissaro said this morning. You know, it's gonna. It looks like a long shot if he's gonna be able to play with that groin injury, which means it's Drew Locke. and Drew Locke certainly isn't the worst backup in the league. I, I don't want to come across that way, but I think Geno gives them a better chance to win. But there's a lot of injury issues here factoring in, in addition to the Desai Patricia stuff. This is the part of the season where the war of attrition will yep. decide everything. Yeah, you know, everyone's banged up. Everyone's dealing with something. Um, a lot of a lot of backup quarterbacks have been playing all year. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of head-to-head backup quarterback matchups as well. So um, this is uh, this is par for the course for the way the NFL season has been going. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because um, Jalen Hurts has been pretty. Um, he's you know, he's battled injury and still managed to play every single game up to this point. I, in my mind, would like to believe he's going to get his behind out there. Um, I just I, I think that's how he's wired. I think they got him IV'd up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think uh-huh. they got I yeah. think they got every supplement every. Every every uh, sense of Dayquil, Benadryl, they just you know they just every they, ill, yeah, every ill, you know what I mean. <laughs> they uh, they just pumping him full of all those things and vitamins and vitamin C and D and E and Z and <laughs> all those things. Uh-huh. So um, I think I think Jalen Hurts will play tonight. Yeah. Uh, now I think the game plan won't be exactly the same. I don't think we're going to see him on too many quarterback design runs tonight if he does play. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're going to try their best to really get their running backs involved, like legitimately this time. Yeah. Because again, um, I can't get what Buffalo did out of my mind. I can't. Mm-hmm. The way they dismantled the Cowboys with pure physicality. Yes. The Philadelphia Eagles have have everything at their disposal to do this exact same thing, mm-hmm. except the commitment. 
right? Yes. Except yeah, except the ingenuity, right? So again, man, I think everything that's happened these past several days, Nick Sirianni should be on high alert. You know, uh, I'm not saying he's at risk of losing his job. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Brian Johnson's at risk of losing his job. But when you see how they handled that Sean Desai situation, I think every coach, every coach in that building should be a little bit more. I agree. It, it um, also t- yeah, it tells you, man, everybody's on notice. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Everyone should be put on notice. Everyone has been put on notice. Everybody should be a little mm-hmm. should be should be walking a little lighter. Yeah. In that building. They should be mm-hmm. tiptoeing a little bit. So uh the one thing about Jeffrey Lurie, if he doesn't feel like something is meeting his expect his expectations. He will make a move. Remember, remember and, and the Mike Groh situation that... with uh, Doug Peterson. Remember Mike Groh? Doug Peterson yeah. said, oh, yeah, Doug, Doug Peterson was like, yeah, Mike's going to be here. Mm-hmm. Two or three days later, Mike's fired. And Doug Peterson has to answer for that. Yeah. You I know, agree so... with you. I would rather, I would also rather, I would rather you correct a mistake than compound it. Mm. And I talked about this with Jalen Rager. They clearly made a mistake with Jalen Rager. We, everybody knows this. This is not breaking news. But at mm-hmm. least – they didn't force feed it beyond the second year. They moved right. on from them. They drafted Devontae the very next year. They knew they had to get it, you know, a, another receiver in there. And, and this could be similar. They, you know, it, it, we everybody makes a mistake, but to to I guess they viewed it as, you know what, if we really want to have a chance at the playoffs, this has got to look differently on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, you can't sit there and, and fire all the players or change the roles of all the players. You got to kind of live with what we have personnel-wise. But maybe the message can be heard a little bit differently. Maybe in-game play calling can be a little bit different. So let's yeah. take a shot at it. And I yeah, think and that's he, a smart way to go. Exactly. And here, here's the thing, right? Out of everything we've said, discussed, speculated, all those things, regardless of how we feel, the results are going to dictate everything. Yes. And who knows, right? Matt Patricia could be the magic elixir that mm-hmm. changes the way this defense is performing. We yeah. honestly don't know. All we can do is operate off of what we know about his resume. All we can do is operate off of what we've seen from Sean Desai mm-hmm. and say to ourselves, well, it can't get much worse. So, well, Right. That, and that's the thing. It, it can't be worse. And, and, and even if it doesn't look markedly different tonight, because yeah, you're also dealing with a lot of injuries tonight. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, with those three games against three teams that aren't great, you can sort of rebuild this thing slowly but surely, and then you're ready to hit the ground running once Absolutely. the postseason starts. Absolutely. That's a big piece. Absolutely. Of Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, big factor. All right, let's get a timeout. Mike Sealski is going to join us, columnist from the Inquirer, next at 1:30. Jeff McLean, who was the beat writer for the Birds for the Yankee, will join us. So we got a lot in store. Don't go anywhere. He's Tony Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a tough thing. And it, it took me a while to find the right person. I finally did, and it's Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits, that's another resource that Jim can assist you with. I personally have entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610 610- Nine nine six forty seven fifty one six one zero nine nine six four seven five one. You could also email him as well. Murray M U R R A Y dot Jim at principal dot com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal dot com.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. It's Tone. I'm Rob. Hope you're doing great out there. Appreciate you guys. Uh, it is Monday, man. Are you are you ready for Christmas yet, Tone? We're a week away, man. Oh man, I'm a, I'm as ready as I'm going to be, man. Uh, got some gifts under the tree already, so uh, just taking it day by day, man. Um, you know what? The I don't really need much these days. I don't know the order. The order I've gotten. Um, yeah. the less I um look for gifts these days. Um, I just tend to give them for myself throughout the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me, a gift these days, yes. man, buying me, uh, buying some furniture, you know what I mean? Things like that. So, man, I can't wait to uh, talk to Mike Sielski about the holidays because uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, are a gift that keeps on giving. As a matter of fact, I think our guy just arrived. So um, I'm I'm super excited to talk to this man. because, like I said, the Philadelphia Eagles are a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Mike, how you doing, sir? Tone, Rob, how are you guys? Oh, Mike, uh, good, man. I'm good. I, I always like to get the initial reaction. So when you heard this yesterday, and I, Jay Glazer, I believe, had it first from Fox Sports, so I want to give credit where credit's due, um, that they were making the switch to Matt Patricia calling the plays on the defensive side. Sean Desai was going up to the to the booth, and Patricia would be on the sideline. When you first heard that yesterday, what was your initial reaction? I'll be very honest, Rob. I was not as surprised as I think a lot of people were. I think people are forgetting the recent history of the Eagles here, which is if they feel like, and by they, I generally mean Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. If they feel like things are not going the way that they ought to be going Mm -hmm. based on the roster that they have assembled, they are going to make a coaching move. Now, it's a little surprising that it happened mid-season like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a little, un- I would say probably unprecedented. You could say that, Yeah. but 
we've seen this before. Look, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and he didn't get to keep Mike Groh and Carson Walsh. Chip Kelly's right-hand man in the front office was Tom Gamble, and it didn't take long for Tom Gamble to get out of there and then for Chip to follow him. Right. Uh, this has happened before, and in the wake of these two losses, I, I just had this feeling that, you know, we have seen this before recently, especially once Howie returned from exile after the, the giving Chip all the control experiment. And so I wasn't as surprised that they made a change. Now, having said that, I thought it might be Nick Sirianni taking over the play calling or somebody else taking over the play calling on offense. Uh, but change itself didn't knock me over. You know, Mike, it's fascinating, right? You know, we have some people on, on one side of the aisle saying, well, the personnel wasn't really playing up to snuff in the first place, so how can we put that on Sean Desai? And then other people on the other side of the aisle says, well, Sean Desai isn't maximizing his personnel, right? I'm curious to know uh, where you fall uh, on those side of things because when you look at the team, you see a bunch of names, right? Darius Slade, James Bradbury, Kevin Byard, Shaq Leonard, uh, even the defensive line, right? But I'm curious to know where you stand with things. Do you believe that the personnel um, was overestimated or overvalued by um, Harry Roseman? Or do you believe the coach, uh, Sean Desai, just probably just wasn't getting the job done? Tone, I think this is a case of two things can be true at once. Mm. I don't think the personnel is great in the totality of the defense, but I also don't think Sean Desai was maximizing it. And I'll give you one in one play an example of what I mean. You guys might remember this. Early or maybe midway through the second quarter of that game against the 49ers, uh, Brock Purdy threw a swing pass to George Kittle. And Kittle rumbled 32 yards with it and set up the 49ers' first touchdown, the first of those six straight touchdowns that they scored on six straight possessions. That play would have been bad enough if Kittle had caught the ball and there had been a linebacker or a defensive back who hit him and bounced off him and Kittle, you know, just kind of created instant urban renewal running down the field, just knocking people over and dragging people for 32 yards. When he caught that swing pass, there wasn't an Eagles defender within 10 yards of him. And that to me is the bigger issue. It's George Kittle. He's the best tight end in the NFL. How can he, I don't care how many weapons the 49ers have, how can he possibly get that open? On a, screen play, on a screen pass within five yards of the line of scrimmage and have nobody around him. That, to me, is a scheme issue. Mm -hmm. It is not being able to utilize your, your people to the best way possible. I, I heard a stat earlier today that Nolan Smith is dropping back into coverage or has been dropping back into coverage on more than 20% of his snaps this season. Like, is this an apprenticeship? Are you trying to turn him into a coverage linebacker? You drafted this kid to be a pass rusher mm -hmm. like Hassan Reddick and Josh sweat are dropping back into coverage, maybe four or 5% of the time. Mm -hmm. And Smith can't cover as well as those two guys can. And I'm not sure I want them covering anybody all that often. <laughs> so what are we doing here? Uh, and I think, so I think two things can be true at once. Are they weak at linebacker in the secondary? Yeah, they are. Are they getting the most out of those players? No, they're not, or at least they haven't been. Yeah. I, I think Mike, you're, you make a lot of good points and I'm all for, if you have lost faith, you feel like this is it isn't going to get any better, or you're going to flatline or get worse. Pull the plug. I, I, I by all means, it is a bad look though that you chose this guy. 
you had somebody in house who potentially could have been a good candidate or maybe others out outside of how, your house that you elected not to bring in 13 games in and doing something like this probably is the best thing for the team, but it also is a bad look for Howie and crew. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely a bad look. You know, you had a guy in house, Denard Wilson, who wanted the job and was pretty highly regarded as well. And he didn't get it. And they went and hired Desai, who had one year as a coordinator uh, with the Bears, and it wasn't a great year. And we haven't even mentioned Matt Patricia yet, who, by all accounts, is a really smart guy. But his best years as a defensive coordinator were spent with the benefit of working under Bill Belichick, who might be the greatest defensive coach of all time. Uh, and he had a shot to be a head coach in Detroit, and it didn't go very well. And so, I mean, this was a guy who couldn't figure out how to stop Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. So um, just because the Eagles had nothing to lose in making the change doesn't mean that the change is going to work. And so, you know, we got to see what happens here. I mean, I suppose you could say, Rob, it can't be any worse than it's been lately under Desai. 100%. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, I think, it, I think you'll see an improvement. And Tone made a good point earlier. You know, if you're – Tonight's a weird game because there's a lot going on, injuries and, and and whatnot. It's a tough place to play. But it, it's it's a three-game stretch following where you can write yourself a little bit here to build towards what you want this to look like in the postseason. But I'm curious, Mike, from a timing standpoint, do you think this move happened earlier in the week and they still put Desai out there under the guise that he is still the defense – well, he is still the defense coordinator technically, but still calling yeah. the plays, et cetera? Or do you think it's something that happened – perhaps later in the week. What, what's your sense of the time? I mean, I have to think it happened later in the week. Um, I, I just do. I, you know, I don't trust anything that comes out of any NFL coach's mouth most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, Sirianni doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would just blatantly lie like that. You know, he might shade the truth. Mm-hmm. He might not tell us what he doesn't want to reveal to us. Uh, but either he changed his mind or his mind got changed later mm-hmm. in the week. Mm-hmm. And... Um, again, we've seen this before. I, I mean, nobody has confirmed yet that Jeffrey and Howie were the masterminds behind this or that they, they wanted this done, but that's what's happened in the past. And they've overruled, certainly Jeffrey has overruled his head coaches on coordinator and assistant coaching decisions, uh, in recent history. So I have to think that something happened later in the week. I could be wrong about that, but it's, it, publicly, that's how it seems. Is this situation is so fascinating to see it unfold, Mike? Because, like you know, like we said, uh, Sean Desai is technically still the defensive coordinator, right? Technically, but if you ask me, this is a firing being masked as a demotion, and you know, that begs the question. Who's going to be the one speaking to the media on media days, right? On press conference days, right? Is is Sean Desai still going to be speaking as the DC? Meanwhile, he's making no decisions on, on the defense side of the ball. Is Matt Patricia going to be able to just skate through this thing, making all these defensive changes and not have to answer for him week to week to week? I mean, I'm curious to know, how do you think this thing is going to play out? Well, I mean, that's one of the bigger issues with the whole thing, Tone, is the way they handle it, right? Um, I... I I won't understand for the life of me why NFL franchises do this. I guess they feel beholden to certain insiders to leak stuff like this to them, whether you're talking about Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Um, as far as who speaks to the media, that's a really good question. I think if the D, de- I think some of it will depend on Monday night. If the defense plays well, you might see Matt Patricia. You're more likely to see Matt Patricia. Um, if it doesn't, who the heck knows? Um, because as you said, 
Sean Desai is still the defensive coordinator, if in name only. So I don't know, man. I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> this it's, is messy. It's not, this is it a is. messy situation. It's, it's, it's messy, and it's got precedent, but it doesn't have precedent. And it's just – they better hope they win tonight because um, this town is going to be – you know, on its ear, if Seattle comes out and, you know, Geno Smith or Drew Locke, whoever happens to be playing for the Seahawks, throws for 350 and four touchdowns. Mike, really quickly, what message does this send not only to Nick Sirianni and the guys who are still on the coaching staff, but also what message does this send to your players? Well, I think the message it sends to Sirianni depends on how much Nick agreed with the decision. Uh, my theory with Nick has always been that he is much more assertive than Doug Peterson, and he is going to be less likely to go along to get along, if you know what I mean. Like Doug, Doug created this impression. Doug is a very agreeable guy, and it was only after the Super Bowl that he started to flex a little bit and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I won the Super Bowl. You know, I called the Philly special. I won with the backup quarterback. I want my guys. And they're like, no, 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 no Doug. It doesn't. That's not how this works. Um, and Doug wasn't helped by the fact that the franchise quarterback was regressing uh, under Doug, whether that was Doug's fault or not, that, that's a big factor too. Um, as far as Nick goes, I think he's going to be less likely to say, all right, guys, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I'll make the change. I think he is, uh, just as I said, more assertive, more I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how that plays out. As far as the players – it's very possible they'll be emboldened by this tone. Um, I mean, you could tell there were there was leakage from the locker room. There was Josh Sweat talking about guys kind of freelancing and not playing within the structure and system of the defense. And then you had Darius Slay saying what he said about, you know, I played good, but no one else did kind of a thing, which, you know, to a certain degree, I think the players on the team bake that into their understanding of who Slay is. But at the same time, it's not a great look to say I played great and no one else did. So there was some stuff going on here, and it's very possible that Matt Patricia will settle some of that down. I got to see it to believe it. And on top of all of that, Mike, you don't know about Hertz tonight. Uh, right. I, I would, if I had to guess, I'd say he probably played, but I have no idea. I mean, he didn't even fly him on the same plane as his teammates. He was so under the weather. Here's, there's no Zach Cunningham. There's no slay, and probably the strength of the Seattle defense is their offense. Excuse me, is they have three really good receivers. Yep. You're on the road at a place you don't usually play well. Um, you know, then flip side of that is Geno Smith may not go. I mean, there's just there's man the storylines. <laughs> you're loving life. Rob, there's yeah. always stuff, right? <laughs> and you know who knows how it's going to play out. But man, you know, it was po- it was already possible before all this happened that the Eagles would finish the season 14 and three with exactly the same record they had last regular season. And nobody would feel good about it based on those two games against the Cowboys and the 49ers because they were so one-sided. And let's be very real about this. This change, you know, taking the reins away from Desai and handing them to Patricia wasn't made for the next four weeks. It was made for the playoffs and the belief that, okay, if we get, if we get our defense just a little bit better, maybe we can outscore some teams. Uh, but I'm still skeptical that they're going to be able to get through the NFC. I, you know, if they play either the Cowboys or the 49ers, even at home in the playoffs, I would go into that game looking at the Eagles as, as the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would definitely have to agree with you on that, Mike, especially when you look at the, uh, the NFC playoff picture right now. I mean, granted the Cowboys just lost yesterday. 
And um, the way they lost um, was eye-opening to, a, well, not really eye-opening to us because we kind of saw the writing on the wall, but um, they got ran on pretty badly yesterday, right? And it begs the question, wh- wh- what is it with this offensive coaching staff that always feels the need to go against the grain when the writing is clearly on the wall? I mean, we all season, we all knew Dallas had a, had a susceptible run defense, yet the Philadelphia Eagles always tend to go with the analytics and pass the ball and pass set up the run and haven't really committed themselves to a running game, right? I mean, yeah, they run some, has some running plays, but they haven't committed themselves to it um, to the degree, at least, that the Bills have. And I'm always of the impression there are some coordinators who care about putting up points and there are some who care about winning games, right? I'm curious to know, um, when you look at Brian Johnson, what Nick Sirianna has done with his offense as of late and how they've tried to win games, um, how do you gauge them, especially with the player picture being set up the way it is now, knowing what we know about Dallas, and just if they can potentially get out of their own way? Aim higher, Tone. Aim higher. It's not d- – don't think of it in terms of the coordinators or even Nick Sirianni. Think of it as mm-hmm. the Eagles' organizational philosophy. They want to throw the ball. There is a reason that in 2021, after the first seven games of that season, when they made Jalen Hurts – the centerpiece throwing the ball of that offense and they were two and five and he was struggling because he wasn't quite ready yet to be that guy. They went to that run first attack, right? With the RPO stuff and they were grinding teams in the dust. There is a reason they spent that off season then pursuing Russell Wilson. And there is a reason that they brought in Gardner Minshew uh, at the time because they weren't sure about Hertz. Now Hertz had that incredible 2022 and convinced Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, he's the guy. So they signed him to the extension. And when they pick a guy who they perceive to be the guy, they want him to throw the ball. That is, this is not about Brian Johnson as much as it is about the Eagles as a whole. And so, you know, are there going to be games where they could run the ball more to win? Yeah, but it's not the way they want to play. You know, I go back. I still remember this game. I think I forget if it was 2018 or 2019. They went into Green Bay when the Packers still had Aaron Rodgers and they were really good. And the Eagles, it was a week four or five game, and the Eagles season, even that early, was kind of hanging in a balance. And they used Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders and they ran the ball down the Packers' throats and won the game in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Lurie was not happy about it. Yeah, they won, but they didn't throw it enough. So, Mike, are you saying that the the strength of their conviction, they're so deep into their convictions that they're willing to go against what's necessary to win that particular game because, because of their convictions to throw the ball, even if it's not, it won't necessarily be savvy to do so in certain matchups. You know, games have personality. Games have textures, tones, however you want to go about it. In some games, you may be required to do one thing more than the other. Are we, are we saying that their convictions are, they're, they're so entrenched in their convictions that they can't see that? I'm not saying that they would rather lose by throwing the ball than win by running it, but they, this is documented. This has happened. Jeffrey Lurie has expressed reservations about them winning important road games mm. by running the ball. After they beat the Bears in the playoffs in 2018, 2019 with the double doink, he was disappointed that the final score was what, 16 15 or whatever it was, because there weren't more points on, put on the board. They want to score. They believe that in the main, that is going to win you football games over time and be more entertaining. Tone, look where they put their money. They put it in quarterback. They put it in wide receiver. They put it in Dallas Goddard. They put it in their offensive tackles. 
They don't put it in their running backs. They are, they are, look where they allocate their financial resources. Look where they allocate their high draft picks. And you can see what they want to do offensively. Uh, Mike, I want to follow up on that in this sense. Um, Obviously, and you, you illustrated it very well with the Kittle example, but do they have enough talent on defense for this to be a Super Bowl winning team? Uh, uh, You know, I, I, think they they have to overcome it with shooting teams out essentially and scoring a lot of points we saw it once again this year not not perhaps taking the linebacker position as seriously as they should even when they when they lost some folks and I know N'Kobe Dean was supposed to be the guy and didn't work out for a number of different reasons but is there still blind spots here in your estimation and are we seeing some of them on the defensive side well I think the the linebacker thing can be overstated a little bit if only because in, in general, teams that really value linebacker, like, aren't very good, like yeah. the Bears, okay? They keep spending money and drafting players who play linebacker, and they can't get the quarterback position right ever. You know, we look at Fred Warner from the 49ers. Fred Warner was a third-round draft pick. Yeah. It's not like the 49ers decided, we got to go get a linebacker and shore up this position. They drafted mm-hmm. a guy in the third round. He turned out to be the best guy in his position in the league right now. So that can be overstated a little bit. They've mm. the Eagles have just missed. They have a tough time evaluating low cost talent at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger issue to me has been the pass rush, right? Like they're not getting home. Other than Hassan Reddick, they are not generating the kind of pressure on opposing quarterbacks that they need to. And that's how this defense is built. The defense is built to go after the quarterback, get a lead pin your ears back, do all that stuff. And they haven't gotten leads lately. And some of that is on the offense and some of that is on the defense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny. I was just thinking about that, right? A lot of these things are working um, in concert. And if your pass rush isn't, isn't getting home, then by, you know, by by proxy, you kind of would expect your DBs to kind of maybe hold up a little longer so they could get home. And I, th- and I think that's one of the issues, right? The DBs and the linebackers, they barely can hold up past 2.5 seconds. Which in, then, which in turn is making it hard for the pass rushers to kind of get home because we saw in that, in that Washington matchup, Eric Bianami made it very clear what his goal was. We're going to get the ball out quick, and we're going to yep. eliminate this team from getting to the quarterback. Yep. Sam Howe was on pace and is on pace for having the most sacks in NFL history. And the Eagles only sacked them, what, once in two games or twice in two games? So when you think about it from that perspective, I mean, and, and, and also at this point in the season, those pass rushers, not to make excuses for fatigue because I think we're past that point now. Everyone's tired. But when your guys behind you can't even hold up for more than 2.5 seconds, it kind of makes it hard to get your job done on the front end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it does. And there's the other factor that we haven't even talked about yet, guys, which is you know, a little bit of attrition and regression in some of the older players in, on this roster. It doesn't mean that Jason Kelsey's still not a great center right. or that Lane Johnson isn't still a terrific right tackle. Um, but Brandon Graham set a career high in sacks last season as a part-time defensive end. He's still good, but he's not 11 sack Brandon Graham. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox is still good, but he's not as good as he maybe sacks, was last seven year. Sack, whatever he had. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever he had a year ago. And that's not a knock on those guys. It's just right. what happens when you've been around a long time. And, yeah. and it, you know, you don't have on the offensive line, you don't have Isaac Sayamalu, who was really good and really underrated. And you replace him with Cam Jurgens, who has also been injured for, for a few games. But it doesn't take much for that slight bit of regression to have kind of a magnified effect 
on an offense or a defense. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a big factor in this thing. And let, let's talk about the quarterback. I mean, what, what's your sense of the way that he's played this year, Mike? I mean, he was up until about three weeks ago, the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP. Uh, certainly not his finest games the last couple of weeks. Uh, but how much of that is him? How much of that is some extenuating circumstances? Yeah, I think some of it is him. Obviously, he's got to play better. There have been situations where it looks like he's holding the ball too long. Now, how much of that is Brian Johnson not calling plays that get the ball out of his hands quicker? You know, I'm sure that's that's a factor, too. I think the thing that's really notable to me, Rob, is the decline or the lack of tempo that the offense has played with this season compared mm -hmm. to the way Shane, Shane Steichen called plays yeah. last season. It was very customary to see the Eagles on first down complete a 15-yard pass to A.J. Brown. Boom, they get to the line of scrimmage, hand off to Miles Sanders for seven. Get to the line of scrimmage, boom, jailing an RPO for another six yards. Boom, 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 they're moving like this. And Steichen seemed to have, and I think this is being borne out in Indianapolis with what he's doing with that roster and that group. He has an innate ability to know what to call, when to call it, and to get in that kind of rhythm that I think Johnson has struggled at times to get into this season. You don't see them playing with the same kind of tempo. And I wonder if that's part of it too. Yeah. And now, I, I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because week 15 in the season, you would like to think that a young coordinator has begun to at least figure out or get a feel, get a feel for the rhythm or the pace he's trying to set. Yet it seems like this offense has, I don't know, steadily regressed in terms of pace rhythm um execution um decision making the players are getting in later i've never seen this this team is using the entire play clock most of the time um it just seems like a lot of indecision on that side of the ball with the quarterback and with the coaching um what do you say to that mike yeah i agree with you tone it looks clunky a lot of the time uh and you don't see you don't see a lot of what we saw last season uh, pretty frequently, which were receivers that were open because they had been schemed open. Okay. I go back yeah. to that, that second game last season against the Vikings, the Eagles first home game. There was that, they broke that game open with a deep touchdown pass to Quez Watkins where nobody was around Quez for 15 yards. And you could see from the way Steichen designed the play, you know, the safety goes here, the corner thinks Quez is going to go underneath and instead Quez heads downfield and he's wide open. You saw plays like that yesterday from the Rams, Cooper Cup. There's nobody around him for a touchdown. Um, that hasn't often happened this season for the Eagles. Um, is some of that Jalen missing open receivers on maybe a second or third read that he ought to be making? I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, but some of it just seems to be like, we're going to get the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, kind of like what Nick Sirianni said the other day, come hell or high water. And we're going to shoe shoehorn it in there if we have to. And... The results have been what the results have been. Yeah, I think you see how much they miss Shane Steichen, too, who's doing an amazing job in Indianapolis. Mike, let me ask you this about Sirianni. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt he's a connector. He's got a, he's a guy who they, they, they like to play for. He has them up. I think there's good leadership. There's good culture. All of that is there. There's no doubt. Do you worry a little bit about the X and O part with him? Um, and, and trying to get them out of this thing? You know, I, Because ultimately, I know Brian Johnson's calling the plays, but Nick is the one who is – probably has the biggest role in scheming up things offensively. Is that a concern of yours? I don't know about that, Rob. I think, if anything, my concern would be that he might be, I don't know if loyalty is the right word, but you know, he picked his guys, and I think Nick 
wants to be able to pick his guys and he might be, I, I don't know this for certain, but from a personality standpoint, maybe he's dug in on, I'm going to show you guys, I'm going to show everybody that I made the right calls here. Right. I think he's a very sharp X's, X's and O's guy. I don't have much concern about that. The one concern I do have about him, to be very honest, and I think this probably plays into what I just said, is a maturity level as a head coach. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any doubt that Jalen in the two of them, if you want the head coach and the quarterback to be on the same page, Jalen hurts is the level headed one. <laughs> it's not the head coach. And that's an interesting dynamic to me. And I, I wonder about that with respect to some of the decisions Nick might make in games, some of the ways he reacts to in game situations. Um, you know, just that sort of thing. I think there's some maturing that has to take place there. All right. Wow. That's a, that's a very interesting point. Um, I, you know, last one for me, um, you brought up the fact that, you know, the Rams and these other teams that are they just know how to get their guys open, regardless of how much they pay them, regardless of how talented they are. You know, Nick Sirianni and these guys, they, they constantly reiterate, you know, we, we trust these guys to win. We trust these guys to win their matchups. Right. OK, fair enough. But do your players trust your ability to win your matchup? Right. Do your players trust you enough to put them in positions where they can dominate. That that 49ers game just stands out to me so well. Like Kyle Shanahan just found these unique ways and these creative ways and sometimes ingenious ways to get his guys open. And no matter how talented they are, no matter who their matchup was, his mindset was, I'm going to get my best guy in a position to win. I'm going to get him in space and allow him to make a play. It seems like everything this year has kind of been forced. Like you said, uh, used a great metaphor. Uh, we're going to shoehorn this thing in there. Um, I... I I have a hard time. I have a hard time trusting that this thing is going to get much better. If I'm being quite honest, Mike. Yeah, you know, I think that's a very fair point, Tone. Like I said, I think they could very well go into the playoffs, fourteen and three or thirteen and four, and we're all going to be like, "What's wrong with this team?" Because the expectation is, uh, you know, they should be the number one seed. They should be dominant, um, and they got their doors blown off by their two challengers in the conference, uh, and so that is a reason for concern. As far as your question about scheme and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, again, I don't, I don't think I look at Nick as a, as failing in that regard, hmm. but I do think that there's been a step backward in that sense, particularly with respect to the offensive play calling, right? Jonathan Gannon wasn't dialing anything up last season, really that made a, a difference on the defense. Okay. He had talent all over the place. And they just kind of went out there and did what they do. And the offense was scoring at such a rate early on in games that the defense could play the way everybody wanted it to play, which was pin your ears back, go ahead, let Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat go after the quarterback, and we'll take our chances with teams throwing the ball to beat us. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're right. I think the clunkiness of the offense, I just kind of look at that and say, okay, it, it hasn't looked easy. It hasn't looked smooth much of at any time this season. Maybe, maybe as my colleague David Murphy wrote today, they need to get back to running the ball a little bit more. I'm skeptical that that's the the issue. Um, I just think I think they've run the ball plenty. They just haven't been very good at it, and that gets to, I think, issues that the coaching staff are going to be uh, struggle to address. You know, just slight regressions in uh, a couple key areas uh, of the team. Mike, always insightful, man. Uh, tell everybody, check him out at Mike Sealski on Twitter, and you can see Mike's latest work on this Eagles and React. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Acting uh, to this move with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia. Mike, uh, never a dull moment, man. And we appreciate you giving us a couple gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) You know, I took my kids to a movie yesterday morning and thought, you know, I'll, I'll get out of the theater. We'll come home. I'll have a couple hours to write a preview column. And I turned my phone back on after the movie and all hell had broken loose. It was, I, uh, it was crazy. I went and I got the thing behind me, my tree. Okay. Mm-hmm. We waited till the kids got home from school. We went and I go out and get the tree. I get back. I have 15 messages from friends. Like what's going, it's, what is this? And I'm you know, like, it's yeah. so funny. Me, I was shaving my head and all of a sudden I get a text message. I, I get a text <laughs> message and a notification. I'm like, what the hell happened? So you, you, you um, can be careful. You can cut yourself there. Tone, yeah, you know, almost, like, Mike, I, almost, yeah. <laughs> I almost nicked myself. I, I look down. Yeah, we like, would have downgraded him to questionable too. <laughs> that's Mike. right. That's exactly right. Unbelievable. Oh, Mike, okay. I appreciate Mike, it, man. So Happy holidays to you and your you family. You too, guys. Thanks, Thanks so much for having me. Minutes. All right. Take you care. You got man. it. Mike Sielski. Oh, man. Wild stuff. All right. Oh, let's come sure, back. Man. Like I said, and, the gift that keeps on giving, Rob. It's unbelievable. All right. Let's dig into, Tone, some of the things that went down yesterday and over the weekend because there was games on Saturday, too, um, that impact the Eagles, namely the Cowboys game, the 49ers game, the Lions game, the Giants, who they play next. Uh, we'll look at the Ravens last night who keep rolling. We'll get into a ton of different things NFL wise. One thirty again, Jeff McLean's going to be joining us to talk about this big news with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia. All right. Don't go anywhere. He's Tony Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We're sports take Jacob sports YouTube network. I want to tell you about pro action restoration. Yes. Pro action restoration. They, uh, they are at my house as we speak and they're doing work uh, on my basement, uh, because I had a, a, a leak, a wa- I had water damage. So for you, and the beauty is ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. So it could be water, could be smoke, could be mold damage, fire, whatever the case may be. Uh, they are prepared and they are ready to roll and come out and help you. Uh, they are licensed, bonded, and fully insured. And they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction Restoration is also uh, and, and will also work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, you know we're getting some crazy weather here, some flooding uh, in the Northeast and the Philadelphia area. If you have water, you have fire, you have smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a good play calling along the way. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back, Tone, Rob. Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, uh, kicking around a lot of Eagles in the early going, as you would expect with the big game tonight, with all the moves uh, that were made uh, and everything that's happening. And again, so right now uh, there isn't any, haven't seen any update yet on Jalen Hurts, who's dealing with an illness um, and he's been downgraded to questionable, but he did fly out to Seattle, took a, took a, a separate flight. Uh, my guess is, this is strictly my guess, based on nothing inside, I think he'll play knowing him um, definitely without slay who had arthroscopic surgery, definitely without Cunningham. So you'll be missing your, your best corner, um, your best linebacker and your quarterback um, is a little bit uh, under the weather. Now Seattle's got their, their share of issues as well. Namely Geno Smith, who's dealing with a groin injury who they thought um, was going to be able to come back uh, this week, but it looks Again, according to uh, Tom Pelissaro of the NFL Network, um, a long shot for him to be able to play. Mm. And if that's the case, it'll be Drew Locke. So that's kind of where we are. If we get anything between now and the end of the show, we'll pass it along. And again, we'll talk to Jeff McLean, who's the Birds beat writer for the Inquirer, coming up at 1.30. All right, so let's look at some things that happened yesterday, Tone. Let's start with the Cowboys. Now, they did clinch a playoff berth because of you know other circumstances, but they had the, uh, the 425 game yesterday, and Really, it was a non-competitive game. I mean, you know, not only was Buffalo able to just gash them in the running game for 266 yards, also Dak didn't have a lot of time. Buffalo's defensive line really, really came to play. They're they're in what I would call officially, they're a very dangerous team, despite the fact that they're only eight and six, Buffalo. But anyway, let's talk about that one a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... The fact of the matter is when you when you really look at the way the Cowboys have been getting things done, they've really been killing teams at home. Yep. Um, they've been getting early leads, 
and they've been front running. And when they don't have that, when they're not able to get that early lead or when um, when they're not playing at home, they're a very, very different team. Dak Prescott came back down to earth. CeeDee Lamb came down to earth. That whole team came down to earth. Now, look, are they still a good team? Absolutely. But when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, when we discuss them, we don't talk about the regular season that much. We talk about what they're going to do in the playoffs because we expect the Cowboys to make it to the playoffs. That's that's just what we think of them, right? We know they're a playoff team, a perennial playoff team. But beyond that, we know what they are. And December has never, ever been kind to them. Neither has January. So are the Cowboys on par for the course as of right now? Yeah, they're 10 and 4. Um, they're, uh, they're, um, they lost all their games on the road. So, uh, it's hard for me to really look at the Cowboys as anything different than what we've already seen. Did they take it to the Philadelphia Eagles? Hell yeah, they did. But also to put it in perspective, the Cowboys and the Eagles split the season right? like they did last year. So, um, as ugly as the loss was, they split. And last time I checked a win is worth just as much as a win. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, again, they're on par for what we expect them to be. Um, now, do we, now the thing is, do we expect the Philadelphia Eagles, if they have to play them in the playoffs, do we expect the Philadelphia Eagles to take advantage of what the Buffalo Bills have exposed? But not only the Bills, the Cardinals, um, other teams as well. The, the, the Cowboys struggle with stopping the run. And, when they don't, and also, when they don't have a lead, they struggle. We saw that when they played us. When they didn't have a lead, we saw them sort of trying to piecemeal things together. So uh, I think I think uh, this is going to be a very interesting final month of the season. The Dallas Cowboys, they have another tough matchup next week against the Miami Dolphins. I think they're going to lose that game too. Well, look, I think there's a couple things on this game. Um, again, I get back to Buffalo was willing to do whatever it took in that game, and that was run the football 49 times, in fact, for 266 yards. Um, mm-hmm. So they 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 ran right through them despite having – you know, a guy in Josh Allen who was a premier quarterback, they didn't care. They were just going to do whatever it took to win. I would hope if the Eagles meet the Cowboys in the playoffs, which is, you know, a good possibility, I, I would just hope that they'd be a little bit more open to attacking the Cowboys in in varying ways. That was my biggest takeaway. And, and again, I think Buffalo has righted the ship. You know, the Cowboys aside for a minute, I think Buffalo is dangerous. And if I'm – Very much so. You know, they sneak in as like a seven seed, and I'm I'm getting them as one of the higher seeds in the AFC. I'm worried. I am legitimately worried about Buffalo, but that that's going to be interesting to see what happens there in the AFC. Yeah, as of right now, they're the ninth seed. They're t- they're tied at eight and six with the Bengals, who are the sixth seed, and the Colts, yep. who are the seventh seed, and the Texans, who are the eighth seed. And let's be honest, the Browns are nine and five. The Jaguars are eight and six. Granted, they're in the front of their division, but they're tied now with the Texans for the division lead. So. This thing can really fall many ways. The Chiefs are nine and five. As far as I'm concerned, the three seed all the way down to the ninth seed, that thing can flip flop like easily. Like like summer sandals, baby. So yeah. um this this whole thing can change, man. Look, the Broncos lost. They're seven and seven. Chiefs yeah. are nine and five. Uh, I don't think the Broncos are gonna get that division anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a hard time thinking the Chiefs drops two um in the final four. I don't think that's gonna I don't happen. see that. I don't see that. I mean, um, I don't love the way they're playing, but I don't see that happening. You know, Kadarius Tony had another one go right through his hands yesterday. And yeah. Mahomes, this time Mahomes wasn't trying to do the pep talk. He was pissed. He was legitimately pissed at that. Yeah, yesterday. because, you know, we're, we're getting close to, to money time now. Yeah, we are. You know what I, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. Yep. This, 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 is, this is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. 
that yeah. AFC, the, these final three weeks for the AFC is going to be awesome. It is. Just, just awesome. It really is. Yeah, you're right. Um, all right, so let's hit a couple other things. So the Cowboys lose, which means the Eagles are in first place in the NFC East, which means they have a game lead on the Cowboys in the NFC in general. But the 49ers won. They beat the Cardinals 45-29. Cardinals, uh, the Arizona, excuse me, the, the 49ers go to 11-3. and mm-hmm. um, So if they win out, they will be the one seed. Now, they have the Ravens this week, who we'll get to in a minute. But the, the Niners keep doing what the Niners keep doing. Uh, huge game for McCaffrey, uh, buck 87 total, three touchdowns. Purdy, 242, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 135 passer rating. I mean, you know, dude, frankly, they just, they look damn good, the Niners still. You know, they, they look like they're going to be a very difficult team to knock off. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I think at this point, the MVP race is between Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy at this point. It's yeah. <laughs> feeling that way. Yeah, and I would love for it to go to Christian McCaffrey. That dude is the engine of that offense. But it's 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 no question about it, man. He does everything for him. Yeah. Um, Brock Purdy's playing great as well. Got to give credible credit to him. Uh, but now the Philadelphia Eagles, you, you caught a break with the Cowboys losing to uh, the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. You caught a break. Can you take care? Can you can you take care of business tonight against the Seattle Seahawks, a team who's fighting for their playoff lives as well? They're on the outskirts of it now. They're six they and are. seven. Um, the Saints, they won. They're seven and seven. The Rams, I think they won as well, right? They're seven and seven. So, yeah. um, and then the Vikings, they're seven and seven. The, C- the Seattle Seahawks know how close they are to getting back into this thing, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're seven and seven as well. So. Um, Seattle's going to be fighting and giving you everything they got tonight, even if it is Drew Locke. The Philadelphia Eagles got to come ready to play, and and and, and they need to uh, take lives and and and, and don't uh, leave any names or leave any room for debate. They need to really take it to this team tonight. Yeah, you're Seattle and you win. You're seven and seven, which you know the Vikings, the Rams, the Saints, and and you, the Seahawks, are all seven and seven at that point. So you're a hundred percent in the playoff fight if you win that game. So it's a, it's a massive game for Seattle for sure. Um, no doubt about that. Well, the other thing is the lions bounce back and they, they beat up on the Broncos 42 to 17. They're 10 and four. I know they haven't been as good lately for sure. And I don't ultimately, I don't sweat them in the playoffs, but they're right there. You know, they're right there nipping at your heels at, at mm-hmm. 10 and four. I mean, the way it looks right now, and obviously you got a game tonight, so it's, it's going to change one way or the other tonight, but Eagles are the two seed. At ten and three, <clears throat> Lions are the three seed. Tampa four, Dallas five, Minnesota six, and the Rams seven. That's that's would be the cutoff right now. Mm-hmm. But look, like we said, all those teams that are that are beneath them, right. um, all the way down to the eleven seed. That's where things get interesting. Oh, it's so funny in the AFC. Things go all the way down to. Um, you can make an argument. It goes all the way down to the eleven seed as well because yeah. seven and seven Broncos and Steelers can um, do some can do some different things in these final three games for themselves. Um, and then for the for the NFC, those all the way down to the final eleven. So this the the, the playoffs can very well look very different. Um, in, over the next few weeks, very much so. Uh, there's a, and the NFL's loving this. You know, this is why you add teams. This is why mm-hmm. you you do this and you extend this thing. But they also made it harder up top, meaning you only get one team with a bye. We know that, and we know how critical that is, especially for teams that are banged up. I mean, think about it from. Slay standpoint. Okay, so Slay's out with the with the scope of the knee. You know, sometimes that can be as, as short as two weeks, 
you know, and sometimes it could be a little bit longer. If you were could somehow, you know, get him through the rest of the regular season and you got to buy on top of that, think about how huge that would be to let him heal up, not to mention everybody else. Everybody needs, you know, some time to, to you know, get some, some rest and whatnot. But that's a big, big piece of this thing, you know, for a guy like Slay, for a guy like Avante Maddox, who they are, they're going to activate his practice window on Tuesday. You know, if you could just get him a little bit time, it'll get him a little bit more time to get his conditioning down, et cetera. Look, it, it's if you're asking me, I've, and I've said this before, I'm, I'm not changing my stance on this. I think the Niners went out, but their best bet is this week. They have the Ravens. Ravens won again last night. They beat the Jags. Ravens are 11 and three. They have just been absolutely on fire lately. They lost one of the better running backs probably for the season. But Lamar's playing at a very high level. Isaiah likely has stepped up the backup tight end to Mark Andrews, and he's playing Mm -hmm. well. And it's a ferocious defense. It really is. And now, I will say this. Jacksonville shot themselves in the foot a bunch last night. They missed two field goals. They uh, Trevor Lawrence had two horrible turnovers. One, he fumbled without even being touched on a scramble when they were in the red zone. And then he throws a terrible pick at the end of the half. So... I'll give yeah. the Ravens props for playing very, very well lately. But some of that was a gift last night by Jacksonville. Yeah, the AFC South is up for grabs, man. It's entirely possible Shane Steichen and the Colts win that division. It's that like the, that's how crazy it is. That's how good of a job he's doing over there. Yeah. And then um, when you look at the number two seed for Miami Dolphins, I know they're kicking themselves for losing that game against the Titans. I know they're kicking themselves because you would have been tied for the best record in your conference. And I don't know, man. Baltimore, obviously, they have the 49ers, and that game can go either way. So maybe they can hope for that loss. But Miami, they they missed the golden opportunity beating the Titans. That was a gimme game, and they gave it away in the final few minutes. Right. So um, this, like you said, the NFL is loving this thing. The AFC South, wow. Is the AFC South back? Like, you know, this, this, it's this is way better than we thought it was going to be. You it's know, insane, man. Houston, we compared Texans, it to the right. NFC South, which is legit garbage. And the AFC South is not garbage. Right, man. Um, Houston Texans, right there, um, tied for the best record in their in their division. Colts, yep. same thing with a backup quarterback, mm-hmm. tied for the best record in their division. Jacksonville dropped two games back to back, and pretty much is uh, unfolding or or, or or coming apart at the seams right now. Yeah. Um, in their division, it's entirely possible if Jacksonville doesn't get doesn't get it together, they could probably fall out of the playoff race. For sure, it's not out of the question the way they're playing right now. A hundred percent, that could happen. I'll tell you what the, in my opinion, the best division in football is the AFC North. You got the Ravens at eleven and three. Cleveland just keeps overcoming injury after injury. They're nine mm-hmm. and five. Cincinnati is very dangerous at eight and six. The only team I really don't believe in is Pittsburgh there, and they're 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 still five hundred, but they're the only yeah. one I really don't buy in. I think all three of those other teams are good and dangerous teams. Right, and the thing about the Steelers, they really don't have a quarterback, starter or backup. No, so they're going with with uh, um, Mason Randolph, Mason. Yeah, this week, uh, Mason, Mason Rudolph. 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 I mean, I said, I said, I said Randolph. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, but Mason Rudolph. You know, that's desperation. But it just tells you how bad Trubisky is. Trubisky's horrible. Horrible man. Yeah. Um, this is. I love. I this, this. This is why. This is why you play the game. This is why you play the game, man. Of uh, the NFC, you know, I can't help but look at. The like the the way to let, or, let let's look at it from this perspective, right? Let's just say everything holds true for the NFC. Yeah, San Fran gets to buy. Eagles opening round for the Rams. Is that a win or a loss in your book? When, when 
I think right. the Eagles are, are a better team for sure. Okay. Detroit Lions play the Vikings in the open round. Who are you giving that game to? I'll go Detroit. I'll go Detroit. Yeah, I just uh, – they're Nick Mullins. I I know they got after the early lead, and then I, I'll go Detroit. Okay. And then Buccaneers, Cowboys, four and five seats. Going Cowboys. Still in the first Cowboys round. all day. So that would mean that the 49ers would end up playing the Cowboys in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. In Eagles San Fran. Yeah. Will end up playing Detroit. The Lions. Yeah, that 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 I kinda is like the situation that. you want for the Philadelphia Eagles. I kind of like that. I agree with you. The only the only disadvantage is you don't get the bye, but that sets up better with your matchups. It does. Yeah, I like if, that. If you don't get the number one seed, you have to get the number two seed. Yes. Because if you have the number two seed, that keeps Dallas at the five spot. Yes. That keeps yes. that, that that's that huge keeping Dallas at the five. So because they're that, likely going to get whoever the highest team is that it, it's going to be the Niners coming off the bye if you assume Dallas wins, which I I, I believe they will, and everything right. else stays true. Like there aren't any other upsets. Yeah. That's every every other matchup is irrelevant. That's what you that's want. That's a biggie. You want mm-hmm. and and again, this is assuming the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Lions as well. Then which is not a gimme. By, Which is not a gimme stretch. because no. Lions know how to put up points, but they're very up and down in my opinion. I agree. So could this be an Eagles-Niners NFC Championship or a Eagles-Cowboys NFC Championship? And again, that's if this defense finds a way to step up. Right. So um, there are so many narratives that you know that are coming from this situation. But overall, if the Eagles can't get the number one seed, they have to lock in the number two seed. That's, yeah, that's, you, that's you, their path. That's their easiest path. Here's what can happen. The five seed because it becomes everything you just said. Insert the insert the Eagles into the Cowboys situation. That's what it mm-hmm. becomes, exactly. and you don't want that, man. Trust me, you don't want that. Uh, having to go potentially go on the road and and face Dallas and San Francisco is not not the road that you want. Trust right. me. Uh, if you can, can get happen, if you can get for if you if you can get San Francisco and Dallas to cannibalize each other in that divisional yes. round, you can pick up the pieces in the NFC Championship. No, agreed. I I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, there's some. Um, Look, the the Niners. I'm I'm hoping they'll slip up. Um, I don't see it. I, I look at who they have after. Um, and they're and they're going to play it out, especially if they, you, you know, because the Eagles are going to be so close. They're going to play this thing out. But yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles. If you look at it from this standpoint, here's your hope. The offense kind of figures itself out because there's too much talent there for them not to. The defense looks better. I'm not telling you great. But I'm just saying better under uh, under Patricia. You get Avante Maddox back, which could be really, really big. You get Slay back at least for either real late in the season or the playoffs. You get Cunningham back. Yeah, you get Cunningham back. You're about as healthy as you you will have been in a long time. Yeah. Right. And these these are all your best case scenarios. That, that hopefully Jurgens is okay by that point. Right with the pec issue, and 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 all the all the while you're winning as you do this. Because you do get you're fortunate because you get the Giants. Let's talk about the Giants. So the Giants lost 24 to 6 to the Saints yesterday. And that all that sort of like, hey, they're fighting magic stuff went away. They're five and nine now. So you get them twice. And you get Arizona, who generally does play teams close, but the Eagles are far superior and it's home um to them. You should win your last three. Tonight is the tough one to call because there's a lot of weird stuff going on, you know, with the Patricia thing, with the Hertz health. It's not an easy place to play. I still, and we'll give our predictions later, Tone. I still feel good about the Eagles winning this game. I do. Yeah, I think they win as well. I've had some time to sleep on it. Um, had some time to sit with myself about it. I think they win this game tonight as well. 
all and that and that's considering all the narratives that we that, that we've laid out today. Um, I just think that they understand what's at stake here. They realize that they've caught a break with Dallas losing yesterday. They know they can't afford to lose another game. They understand this. Um, everything that's happened with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia, I think as messy as it appears and as and as messy as we think it is internally as well, I also think it sent the shockwave through this organization and woke everybody up. So we'll see how this thing pans out in the end. Um, only one way to find out these guys got to lace it up, strap it up, and put their hands in the turf and make it do what it do. So yep. we're going to find out really quickly if this team has woken up. We're going to find out really quickly um, where this coaching staff is, and we're going to find out really quickly the impact Matt Patricia may have on this defense. Yeah, I, I will say this too. I just, I just last thing on the offense, and I don't want to keep beating the running game thing into, into the ground, but I'll just say this. The, they're playing a Seattle team that does not defend the run well. Uh, last three games, they're giving up 159 yards per ground on the game. So I, I just – I hope that, and it's also a way to maybe take some of the heat off of Jalen Hurts if he's not feeling great. Sand the ball off. I, it, it'll go old school. It doesn't even have to be an RPO. You know, I mean, take give this guy a break if he's out there and he's huffing and puffing and you know, and he's just not feeling great. Anyway, they, they so can't. Just, they 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 can't run him this game. They they can't. It, it, it'll be. It'll. They can't. He's clearly not a hundred percent. Yeah. Doing that could hurt him more than help him. This coach staff has to be more creative, man. Jalen Hurts just can't be this the uh, the break glass, and all of a sudden everything is healed, man. Like you got to be more creative with your whole. It's a whole roster for a reason, man. Get right. these other guys involved. Don't put Jalen Hurts in those situations where he can get winded and he's not as effective and he's making hasty decisions because he can't breathe. Whatever it is, like, come on, do right by your players, man. Win the game. Win and the game. That's all you got to do is win the game. Defense has to show up, in particular the defensive line. Defensive line has got to come to play tonight. They they have been like you can you can talk about personnel at the linebacker spot you can talk about it at the secondary, but for the most part, you know your defensive line has been mostly intact, and they've been just okay in terms of getting to the quarterback. They have to yeah. be elite at getting to the quarterback. It's the way they're built, so they got to yep. be better. There's no question. All right, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. We'll continue with some of the things that went down over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, uh, and, and talk more Eagles for sure. Jeff McLean coming up at one. 30. Don't go anywhere. I want to tell you about Flint Tree Services. Yes, they are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solution to any tree problem, problem that you may face, and they will uh, trim any type of tree off of your property. They're just a quick phone call away. Uh, they uh, service southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. They actually specialize in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You could go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Tony Shields, Rob Ellis, Sports Day. Vegas Sports YouTube Network. Appreciate you hanging with us on this Monday as we have back-to-back. You realize back-to-back weeks of uh, Monday games, Tone. So the Monday night game tonight, and then next week is the 4, 4.15, 4.25, whatever time the kickoff is. It's the middle game of the three games that are being played on Christmas Day. Wow. So it is back-to-back Mondays uh, for the Birds, yes. Well, at least it gives them that, uh, that extra day to get their bearings under them. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, you know, that, that's a bit, that's a nice, you know, well, today is, think about it too. Like if they had played when this game was initially supposed to be played yesterday, Jalen may not have been able to go. That's a good point. Yeah, you that's know, this this, this flex may have bought them a, a Jalen being able to go in the game. So, wow, the NFL and their crystal ball, man, they just Thank know what you. to do. Thank you, Roger Goodell. And, right, and the one good, the one time I'd say thank you, Roger. The one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so a couple other uh, games from over the weekend. So the Bengals beat the Vikings 27-24 in overtime. Cincinnati now 8-6, and, and and Jake Browning doing a nice job. But there were some un, 
believable plays in that game. I, I don't know if you saw much of those games, but there was one throw that Browning makes and T Higgins catches it right by the sideline. And it was, he, he even described it as an ill-advised throw. And then he just basically reaches the ball over as he's going down, falling out of bounds and crosses the plane uh, of the goal line. It was a great play. It, it was just an absolute sick play by T Higgins. Listen, man, what are the what are they right now under Jake Browning? What are they, what, three and one? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. They, he's been – I didn't believe in him at all. Um, and he's uh, he's played well. He has. He's yeah, done a nice the, job. The only game he's – so he's lost. See, I, it's hard for me to put that Ravens game on him because he came in midway and yeah. you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to just expect him to just go in there and just beat the Ravens under the circumstances. So I'm not going to put that – I'm not going to put that loss under him. I agree. Um, he, because he didn't start that game. Mm-hmm. In games he started, they're three and one under him. They lost to the Steelers. And then, and then ever since then, they've been putting up 27 or more points, man. They they, they figured something out with this guy. They figured yeah. him out. They're, they're, they're running plays that he's comfortable with. Um, the team has rallied around him. And they're treading water right now, man. Now, I don't think they go deep into the playoffs because I think his limitations will, you know, expose themselves as the playoffs go. But as of right now, man, this is a pretty cool story. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and I, that's where I give Zach Taylor credit and the team, too. They didn't just fold up 10. Yeah, you know, they're probably going to get in, and, and they, you're right. It may not be a deep run, but just to get into the postseason, yeah. losing Burrow. Still good for morale. Still good, still good for team morale, in my yeah. opinion. Um, You're going to get in, depending on the match. Well, actually, let's look at the matchup real quick in the, uh, in the standings because yeah. who would be their first-round matchup if they got in? Okay, so Cincinnati um, Cincinnati right now. Uh, they would play, they'd play uh, Cleveland. No, they'd be they the play, sixth seed. Um, they would play the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Yeah, they'd play the Chiefs. Yeah. That's an interesting game. Because in my opinion, I don't think the Chiefs are just this juggernaut this year. Right. No, I so, agree with you. Not unbeatable. Yeah, nine and five the Chiefs are at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I there's a lot of teams in the AFC I really give credit to. I, I give a lot of credit to uh, Cleveland. They've been the most injured team in football. And they're nine and five. Uh, Cincinnati, eight and six, losing Burrow. Indianapolis lost Anthony Richardson and, and haven't really had Jonathan Taylor for a lot of the year either. Uh, they lost Zach Moss at one point. They're eight and six. Houston has has lost some bodies, and they were terrible last year. First year coach, rookie quarterback at eight and six. You know, all I think all of those teams, and I, you know, I'm not going to give Buffalo the, the put them in the same level because we had high expectations for them. But those mm-hmm. teams have all, in my opinion, overachieved and deserve a lot of credit organizationally for what they've done. Yeah, and I mean, look, if if Buffalo finishes the season eleven and six. It's not terrible. No, no. I mean, gee, not that's terrible at all. You know, so good, I, I, th- I think they beat the Chargers next week. I think they beat the Patriots. And quite frankly, I think they shocked the Dolphins in the final week of the season. Interesting. So um, I, I honestly see the Buffalo Bills winning out. And they and they could very well go into the playoffs being the hottest team in football. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, all right. So, let you know, give the Colts credit. The Colts beat the Steelers yesterday, 30 to 13. I, I'm sorry, man. It just feels like something's missing for Pittsburgh this year. And you never count out Mike Tomlin. You don't do that. But uh, at 7-7, seven and seven, it's start, he's starting to cut it close, you know, as far as being able to either be 500 or better this year. And he just doesn't have a quarterback, man. As much as he's trying, he's, you know, he's throwing Trubisky out there and Rudolph now and all that. And it, it, I don't – I just don't like where that's going. They, they don't have a quarterback. Uh, you're so right. It's – how far can the team go with mediocre quarterback play? Like, yeah. it's not just like, see, 
it's not like they have a Jake Browning where you see you see something, right? I don't see anything with Kenny Pickett. I don't see nothing with Mitchell Trubisky. Nope. And I never saw anything with Mason Rudolph. So no. they they have not done a good enough job at evaluating that position in the draft, nor have they done a good job in evaluating that position in free agency. Yeah. And Mike Tomlin has been coaching above that, right? Like, like really think about it, right? They've been going – they've been above 500 every time he's coached there, right? And over the past few years since Big Ben, they've still been over 500. Can you imagine? And they've been getting media, and they've been getting below average quarterback play since yeah. then. Can you imagine if they even had competent quarterback play? That nine and eight record that they have would easily be, just to be fair to them, that can go from you can go from having a, a nine and eight record to an eleven and six record, or twelve and five, right, or even ten and seven. Mm-hmm. Right, having a good enough quarterback definitely buys you at least two or three more wins. Yeah, I mean, look at all the teams we were just pointing out. Look, I mean, the Colts, what Minshew's given them, you know, what what Browning's giving, you know, given them. I mean, yeah, you've had guys who have not just kept it afloat, like made plays and allowed your defense to do their thing, or you know, whatever. This has been the right, opposite. I mean, These guys are just pulling them down. Right. Meanwhile, the offense just seems like they're not interested in anything. Defense and Mike Tomlin's carrying that team. Like coaching is yeah. the only reason why that team is where they are. Yeah, like let's let, let's be frank about this. That's why I was kind of weird when Big Ben kind of tried to throw a t- take a shot at him. That was so strange to me. That was um, weird. Uh, but it it is what it is. The fact of the matter is, Mike Tomlin is keeping that organization relevant. Let's yeah. be, let, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, all right. So elsewhere, I, again, the Browns here. This game it was nuts. This ending tone. So yeah, that was um, a weird one. Back and forth game, and there's a hail mary at the end of the game. Uh, that the Bears throw up there, Fields throws up there, and it gets batted, and and Darnell Moody is literally like on his butt, just just sitting there, and it looked like he had the catch, and then he just kind of fumbled it, and then it was picked, and that's how it ended. But like, I I thought I, I was watching it live. I'm like, oh my god, and then no, so Cleveland got a little bit of a break there, which you need sometimes, but that should have worked. It, it was crazy that bounce. <laughs> Man, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and yeah, the luck ran out for the Bears, man. Um, you know what thing about the Bears? Even though they haven't really been winning, they've been a very frisky team. Yeah. Like they 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 they've been kind of give, giving some giving a few teams some scares, you know, yeah. over the season. So, mm-hmm. um, who knows where they'll be next? Who who knows where they'll be next year? But overall, um, the Browns once again. Just keep on winning games somehow. The 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 Brownies, they find ways. They, they they haven't had a quarterback since what week five, week six? Yeah. Yeah. How about Flacco, man? He goes 28 of 44, 374, eight and a half yards per completion. Now he did have three picks, but two touchdowns. I mean, it's it's crazy. you know, what's going on? And I think I've been saying it for a long time. Stefanski gets my coach of the year vote right now with all he's overcome all the injuries it's pretty wild yeah he's definitely had to overcome a lot and, and they're in the thick of winning their division well i'm sorry they're not um that's the that's the Ravens. well they're they're just um, get in just get in just get point, in if you're yeah, if just you're get in and because that defense is so good they can very well scare anybody in the playoffs yeah. yes. um, if, they, if they just get competent quarterback play and the defense keeps them in the mix they can they can catch anybody slipping no doubt. That's that that's that's how good that defense is and that running game is. And and next up they have Texans, Jets, Bengals. 
Can they beat the Texans? I think so. It's yeah. I mean, I think I could see two out of three there. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I I, I can see two out of three. That gets you and, eleven at that point. You're eleven. I mean, eleven and you know, eleven and six probably get you in. I, I can't imagine that doesn't get you in as a as a wild card. Yeah, I would like to think so. And don't let them go three and zero in that stretch. Yeah, yeah, dangerous. All right. So elsewhere, the uh, the hits just keep coming for the Jets. Zach Wilson gets concussed. Um, just a mess there. So, so the rumor is that. Rodgers could practice this week. I've said it. I'll be, I've been on the record for a long time. I think they're insane if they even entertain that with the team going nowhere. And I know, you know, again, Mm -hmm. I know they let him do whatever he wants there, but sorry, Aaron, heal up for next year. And we'll, we're going to make a lot of changes. And, and that's, you know, that's what we're looking at, but we appreciate you hustling to get back, but it ain't happening. Sorry. Yeah. They've already been eliminated. So why even? Yeah. They've been they've been eliminated. Why? Why? Yeah, it, Just why? It, it's a way. It, 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 all you're doing. And the other thing is, I don't want to be behind that offensive line. And I know he'll get the ball out quicker and make better decisions. Then I get all that. Well, but I'm still not chancing it. He couldn't get it out quick enough in, in week one. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't see that changing. <laughs> so no. this offensive line is that bad. Yeah, it is bad. Uh, so elsewhere, Will Levis got hurt. It looks like it's just an ankle sprain. It looked like it looked worse at, at first. Uh, but that, that was a good game that the Texans ended up winning in overtime 1916. They went with case Keenum over Davis mills. He was okay. That was uh, a, that was a good decision. Yeah. Cause yeah. sometimes, sometimes when you pick the wrong guy that that can, that can make or break a game. So I think case Keenum ended up, I mean, obviously the results dictate that. And it's easy for me to say that after the fact, um, I like, I like, I just like, but, I, man, I think D'Amico Ryan just has a really good handle on things. Yeah, so, man. His team trusts him. They trust they 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 trust him. They believe in him, and he might he might really win Coach of the Year. You know what I mean? The way they drafted. See, I think he gets it because of the way he's coached up. CJ Stroud, how great he's playing. Yeah. Can you imagine Coach of the Year and Rookie of the Year, same uh, same team? That'd awesome. be a hell of a that'd uh, be yeah. a hell of a way to start a legacy. If Stroud doesn't get it, they they need to reexamine you know the award. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I I I, I think you're Houston. You feel good about where it's headed there. They're eight and six, by the way, and the Titans are eliminated. Um, so the Bucks beat the Packers 34-20. Mayfield has actually looked pretty, pretty good of late. I, I have to give him credit where mm-hmm. credit's due. Uh, they go to seven and seven now. They're in first place in that NFC South. It's tight, but they have the tiebreaker right now uh by winning that game. He looked he played extremely well yesterday. Uh yeah, man. Baker's a, a gutsy dude, man. Yeah. You know, he um he plays to win the game. He doesn't care. How you see him in his career, he doesn't care. You know, look, say what you want about him. He is a former first-round pick, and there's something there. First overall. I'm not, right? Yeah, first overall, exactly. So, you know, I'm not saying he's the savior to the Bucks, but whether they – just because they brought him in a one, on a one-year deal, right? Yeah, I believe it's only a one-year, yeah. Regardless of how it goes now, someone's going to pay him next season to be yeah. their bridge, mm-hmm. and he's going he's gonna to continue to get paid in this league. Best believe that. Um, and that performance he put on yesterday, got to give him love, man. The Packers, man, they're just falling off a cliff right now. Yeah, they they had that little run, you know, and then it, you know, they just kind of reverted back to form. It's disappointing. I I thought they were headed for maybe a a playoff berth. Because here's the thing, right? You beat teams who, when you okay, if you look if you look at the stretch, Chargers, Lions, Chiefs, 
And then you look at the next two game stretch: Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers, or three game stretch. Which stretch is which stretch is more difficult to you? Chargers, Lions, Chiefs, or Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers? Uh, oof. I don't think either is real challenging. Who who would you go? I think they're both pretty. I mean, pretty the Chargers Lions Chiefs stretch is clearly more difficult. Yeah, with the Lions than, Lions Chiefs. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then then Giants Buccaneers Panthers. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what I'm saying is they took care. They did the heavy lifting. True. In 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 one in convincing fashion for the most part. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And then they come up against some bums. No offense. And they lost. Mm-hmm. So these are the traits of a very young team who still doesn't really know how to win. These Fair are, you enough. know, like this is exactly what this is exactly what this is. These are the traits of a young quarterback who's still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So, and, and young receivers, a yeah. very young team in general. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. I think they're I think they're the youngest team in the NFL. Yes. So you put all that in, into account. Okay, yeah, they strung together those three wins, but then you lose these next two games into inferior opponents, arguably. Yeah. You know, so that's exactly the traits of a team that still hasn't really figured out who they are, what they want to be, and how they want to do it. Yeah, big game for that. A big, big season for them, I think, next year uh, with Love now in his second season. All right, a couple of injury uh, notes here. Um, Ravens, and, and this is a, this is a blow to them because they have a good running attack, but Keaton Mitchell uh, is out for the season with the knee. He got hurt last night. He's been very, very good. Um, left knee injury in the fourth quarter. He was carted off. And, and uh, Harbaugh said it looks like he won't be back for the season. So they've lost him. They had, uh, remember, J.K. Dobbins uh, towards Achilles. Mark Andrews will miss at least the regular season, and it's kind of wishful thinking that they get him back at some point. So Ravens dealing with some stuff. Um, elsewhere, the, uh, the Vikings are going to stick with Nick Mullins against the Lions. Good luck there with that. Um, Good news is Zach Moss looks like he's going to be able to come back for the Colts here with that shoulder. So you get him back Sunday against Atlanta. That'll be good. Uh, X-rays were negative. uh, So it looks like he'll be able to, to to get back and play in that game. Um, So, but you didn't realize it's been 13 years since the jets have made the playoffs. Damn. 13 13 straight. Who has the longest stretch? Is it them? I think that is. a. Let me see. Hold on. Hold on. Let me see. All right, so rock bottom blow lost. Uh, uh, All right, their eighth straight losing season and 13 straight without making the playoffs. It says here, Jets extend NFL's longest playoff drop to 13 seasons. Damn. Wow. Wow. It's rough. It is not easy being a Jets fan. That's for sure. It is not uh, by Mm. any stretch, but – Hey, look, man, uh, they had, especially this year because of the defense that they had and you bring in Aaron Rodgers, it, it is it is a different story. Mika Fitzpatrick will miss this week for the Steelers uh, as well. He went down in yesterday's game. Um, he against the, They had played the Bengals on Saturday, so they have a little less time, so he's not going to be able to go um, for them. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was an interesting get, uh, day yesterday, and I, I got to tell you, I love this time of year with the Saturday games. It's fun, man. Yeah, they're cool. They And also it doesn't, your entire Sunday isn't jam packed with football. You can kind of like, you know, focus on certain games more. It makes it easier. It makes it easier to digest the product. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed yesterday was a nice kind of just sit back and watch the games chill day. Now I don't, I don't like having to wait until 
Monday, you know, ultimately for these games to be played in general. But it was kind of cool yesterday to be able to chill and just watch those things. You know, yeah, watch every, all the old. Yeah, it seemed less. Um, it seemed like it was like it was a less pressure filled weekend. I mean, yeah. I, I mean for the fans, for the fans at least, right? Not for the players. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a heater tonight, man. You know, all that pressure that wasn't on there yesterday is going to be doubled. So no yeah, word man. yet um, on anything really in terms of the updates. Uh, nothing yet. I think, I, I think he plays. I think he plays. I feel good about Jalen playing. I don't. I think it, he plays. It seems like from what we're reading, it, it's way more likely Jalen plays than Geno Smith plays with a groin right. injury. Right, because groins are so unpredictable. They're finicky. You know what I mean? It's yep. You know, one day you wake up, you feel good, and the next thing you know, you're Lane Johnson. You wake up, it's like, oh, not really, not really working for me. So. And I don't know if that was even the groin, was it the hamstring? I don't yes. know. But, yeah, nonetheless, both of those things are very unpredictable. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, there's, there's look, there's a lot um, on the line for this team. I know Seattle's lost four straight. I know they're still in the playoff hunt. And, and look, there, there's certainly a big game for them, no question. But if you look at this strictly from, from an Eagles standpoint, you lose this. You just gave away the gift that you got from the Bills yesterday. You lose this, you essentially freaking rode off home field advantage, I think, you know, because you'd essentially be more than a game back of Seattle, of San Francisco mm-hmm. um, if you lose that game. So yeah. it's it's a massive game. Yeah, and you and come the, home, and, and it sets up the last three set up nicely for you. Get this one and let those play out the way they should for you. Yes. At the very least, you get the number two seed, and you can at least buy yourself two home playoff games. And yeah. then you got to go on the road for the NFC Championship. Right. You know, so don't. Don't miss out on this opportunity that you've been given. This, these, these don't come along often, right? You know, as much as I think the Dolphins are going to beat the Cowboys next week, we can't bank on that. Control your destiny. You have it in your hands now. The number one yeah. seed, we'll see. Um, that's a that, at this point, that's the cherry on top. At this point, but right now, NFC East crown, get the number two seed, buy yourself two home playoff games. And then the chips fall where they may in the NFC Championship if you can get there, if your defense can hold up and get there, if Matt Patricia can make a difference, right? If the offense figures some things out. We'll, we'll see. How would you go about things um, in the secondary without Slate? Would you just go with Ringo or do you, mm. do you get a little creative and, and move Roby off the slot? What do you end up doing there? If you're, if you're, well, I don't want to move Roby. He's my best option there, especially with the Philadelphia Eagles always getting gashed up the middle. So I don't want to move Roby. That's I, I just I just don't want to do that. Um, even though on the depth chart, Bradley Roby is considered to be the backup to Darius Slay. Right. Um. Honestly, man, I'm obviously James Bradbury is gonna be where he is. I would keep Brad, I would keep Bradley Roby in this in the slot. And I've already seen Eli Ricks. I don't want to see him. Hmm. I've seen Killy Ringo last week. That 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 really put a, put a bad taste in my mouth. I'm rolling with Josh Job to start off. I'm rolling with Josh Job to start off. Why mm. not? Okay. I, Why I think not, I think this is going to be um a fluid situation in the game. They're not going to sit there and and beat their head in the ground and keep the same guy, let's say whoever, if it's Metcalf or Lockett or Smith the jig, but whoever's tuning somebody up, they're not going to stay that way. I, I think you're going to see them move the parts around a lot. I really don't. Like try to throw different looks at those at those receivers, you know, hit hit them in different bodies, and if someone well, sticks, also just to hit, man, you, there, it's not a given you're going to get to play. If you're not playing well, you're out. 
and, and that we, part, we get, yeah, that part, yeah. You know, I, I think that's the other part, the psychological factor of this move. Like, I, I Mike said, Mike Sielski, we had on earlier, said it kind of would embolden the players a little bit. I think it could work the other way. I think everybody's on alert now. But like yeah, he, it can, yeah, for sure. You basically just cost this guy his job. I know he's technically still employed and still has the title of defensive coordinator, but you just cost the side his job. And, and you know, th- this is – you could be next – if not this year, next year, there could be significant changes on the defensive side of the ball in the offseason if this isn't straightened out real quick. Yeah, but, but remember, I think I think this was Mike that said this. Players smelled the lack of conviction in Sean Desai. They got a sense for it. They sensed that he wasn't confident in his position. They sensed that whatever he was doing out there, he wasn't confident. Guys were, like Joshua said, freelancing, doing their own thing, meaning that they weren't buying into what they were being taught. They didn't believe in what they were being taught. And definitely the person teaching them didn't buy in as well to the point where he wasn't disciplining these guys to follow what they were supposed to do. So, I mean, maybe this maybe, you're right. It could, it could definitely work in the opposite direction. Um, it could also maybe work in the positive direction and, you know, wake these guys up and give them a fresh voice, um, a, you know, a fresher set of accountability and responsibilities. You know, we'll see, man. Um, it can it, it can only go one or two ways. And we're going to find out is, you know, it's a flip of the coin, how this thing goes tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it, the other thing that we have to make sure we caution, not reading too much into this game on the defensive side, like it, it's hard to fix everything overnight. You're going into it with a hand tied behind your back, two hands mm-hmm. tied behind your back without Slay and without Cunningham. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all, all, again, just in terms of like having a little bit of patience for Patricia you know, for sure. So I think that's something else, you know, that we have to take into account. And, you know, really what Seattle does best is where you're going to have some problems. They they have really good receivers. So you, you're already shorthanded there a little bit. Um, I still, I haven't moved off of this tone. I think it's going to, I think the Eagles, you know, obviously I, 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 I believe they're going to win the game, but I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And um, let me see what the spread is on this thing. Let's see if it's changed at all. For most of the week, it was Eagles four or three and a half um, mm-hmm. throughout most of the week, and it's now Eagles three and a half. So it, it, despite all of this stuff, right, it hasn't changed much. Despite the, the Patricia thing, despite the illness potentially for Hertz, despite no Slay and no Cunningham, hasn't changed all that much. So, um, you know, Vegas still believes that this is an Eagles game for sure. Um yeah, and, and when I say patience, what I what I basically mean is I don't know that we're going to see anything really super drastic this week, but you want to see little things. You know, you you like uh, we were talking to Mike Sielski earlier. You don't want to see the breakdowns where somebody's wide open. Um, you want to see a more concerted effort to get after the quarterback. What you want to see is better tackling. You know, some of the some things aren't controlled by coaches. You know, this is also I don't want this to turn into like the players aren't don't have ownership of this too. Right. Because they're certainly at fault here as well. Yeah, and 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 that was and that's the conundrum that we still face, right? Um, although Sean Desai wasn't getting it done, was it solely his fault? Right? Or players? Um, see, here's the thing, man. When when you don't believe when you don't believe in what you're being taught, you tend to mutiny um the higher up, right? You know, if you don't like if if you're in the classroom and you don't believe in what your teachers, not only you don't believe in what they're teaching, but you don't believe that they have your best interests. 
you're not going to give them your all. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly or potentially what we've been seeing, right? Especially over the past few, like we, we asked ourselves, how did this run defense go from stopping teams to, to 60, 65 yards a game to all, all of a sudden giving up 140, 150 yards a game? What is that? And you came off the bye. How does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, man. Fatigue, maybe. Were the, was it, were the defensive, was the, was the defensive personnel fully bought into what Sean Desai was teaching them? Yeah. Or it's even a, if they were bought in, were they being taught properly, you, you know, where they should be and, and schemed up the right way? I mean, right. Like, was the message being conveyed the way it was meant to be conveyed? Right. Were, were they understanding what he was asking of them? And yeah. sometimes, you know, the, sometimes the problem isn't the message. Sometimes the problem is the messenger. Messenger. Exactly right. All right. Let, let's uh, let's hit it. And Jeff McLean's going to join us from the Inquirer. Uh, from Seattle when we get back. So we'll get the latest on Jeff's thoughts on what's happening with the birds when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Tone to Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Be right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won... We went straight to Broad Street, and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. I appreciate it, everybody. Rob Ellis, Tony Shields. We are Sports Take. Jacob for YouTube Network, hanging out with you on this Monday. Massive game tonight with a lot of subplots, a lot of implications. And uh, who better to talk to than the man who covers the Eagles as well or better than anybody? And he's got the sweet lid on right. Oh, I, I like the whole thing. He's got the beard going. All right. He's, he's, is that he's the Tottenham Hotspurs? Is that, is that what that no. is? A Hotspur cat? That's Tottenham. That's my team. Yeah. I haven't. I mean, Tottenham. Okay. Full disclosure here. I haven't showered yet. So that's why the hat's on. <laughs> we like that look, Jeff. A little edgy. It's, you got your grunge look going for, for Bruh, Seattle. Yeah, I'm, I'm here in Seattle. Right. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So uh, again, you could follow Jeff. Uh, at Jeff underscore McLean and, of course, Inquirer.com. Jeff, I want to start with – there's a bunch of things to get to, obviously, but I want to start with the Desai-Patricia thing. And and uh, quote in your story uh, from a source of yours, uh, Sean's smart and guys like him, but he doesn't carry himself with confidence, and some players started to feel that out. How, how big was that part versus X's and O's when it came to the decision that the Eagles made? Well, I think they tie in together. Um, and how you call a play, how you call your plays, how you scheme. Uh, you know, a lot of that depends on, on confidence. Now you could, uh, say that maybe he's not confident because of the personnel that he has, especially in the back seven, mm-hmm. uh, to look at this fairly. Um, but that was, just, that was not just like a, you know, rando person sending me, ta- tell me that. And that was something actually I had heard, um, the last couple of weeks as I've been digging into this topic about um sean desai and and you know whether he's the guy or not is that um you know the players just uh, again they like sean smart he, he understands ball he he can he can draw it up um he's a nice guy but i think that maybe some of the stuff that the players wanted uh particularly in the back and actually up front too as well just you know they he wasn't doing it and and i think um there were times in games when you'd see him dip his head and, you know, if something went wrong. And I think that kind of rubbed off on, on or at least maybe some people felt that it was rubbing off on the players uh, when things got down. Uh, and that's the sense that I, I've gotten about this team um, beyond the def- defensive side is that uh, and, and, and Slay alluded to this after the game when I asked him about it. Um, he said that. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get it, get the. It's okay, uh, man. We know you got breaking fine, news man. and a lot going to get on. Thing off. Yeah. Uh, he said the guys just need to have more fun, and uh, and they're too tense. I mean, he didn't say specifically too mm-hmm. tense, but he definitely said that they need to have more fun. And from what I'm hearing is that they're definitely too tense, right. and you have some young guys in that secondary that it's understandable that under under these circumstances they would tense up. 
You know, it, it's fascinating. Uh, Rob and I were talking about this earlier, the fact that, you know, your run defense was number one in the league and you were giving up around 60, 65 rushing yards per game prior to the bye. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you kind of just fall off a cliff. You're giving up around 140, 150 yards per game over the past uh, three matchups, over the past several matchups, I guess. And you mentioned Sean Desai. He's, they, they know he's a smart guy. They know he understands ball. But is it possible that, you know, the message was there, but the messenger, it just wasn't connecting? Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, and I think, again, you know, you, you had the, the fair questions I have about Sean and, and ones that we'd asked when they hired him was like, you know, he had been the defensive coordinator in Chicago. Here's this guy kind of had a meteoric rise in the coaching ranks, never um, you know, played some high school football, but kind of took an untraditional route to coaching, um, was at Temple getting his doctorate in education, had this itch he wanted to scratch, became a, an unpaid uh, intern doing like the lowest uh, possible you know, duties that you can imagine and worked all his way up um, to the point where he was, again, the, the, the Bears defensive coordinator. He was out after one year with Matt Nagy. But, you know, you know how, how well do we do we know uh, Sean Desai? How well does Nick know him? Nick didn't even meet him until he started interviewing him. And I guess, you know, one of the fair questions is like, well, how will this guy relate to um, NFL players? Um, you know, here's this Indian American, uh, the first ever um, to be a coordinator, to, to be this high um, in the coaching ranks in the NFL. Uh, and I'm not saying the players look at him because he's definitely because he's Indian American or whatever it is. Cause honestly, when you talk to, to Sean, it's just like, that's the last thing you probably think about him. Um, but that being said, uh, he hadn't played, um, you know, at, at a high level, um, you know, does, you know, when he's trying to kind of convey what he wants, does it lose a little bit when it's not, you know, your prototypical football guy. Um, and I think those are fair questions to ask. Jeff, the timing, um, you, you know, Nick Sirianni, and as you pointed out in your story, essentially backed him when this line of questioning came down. Sean Desai was, was there and, you know, in, in front of the media uh, discussing game plan and what was going on. Um, how did this, how did this play out? What, what, like, why was he there if this happened earlier in the week or do you think it happened later in the week? I'm trying to find out all the details. From what I understand is that it took Nick a little bit of a process. I don't think Nick knew that he was going to make this move when we spoke to the media on Tuesday. He was asked specifically about changing responsibilities and then and then specifically about Brian Johnson. But later on, he was asked about Sean Desai and said, I have his confidence, et cetera. Hmm. You know, what do you expect him to say? And I think a lot of this obviously was done because of competitive advantages, at least the way the Eagles feel about it. I, I don't think – to me, I would have gotten away. I got. I, I would have gotten ahead of it. You don't look like you're panicking, um, and and whether they're panicking or not, the optics suggest that. Um, just on Wednesday, come out and you know, or Tuesday, you know, I come out and say we're making this change. We looked at the scheme. Um, we looked at the play calling. Um, I think a lot of people under would understand it. It just wouldn't look uh, the way it has. Um, but in terms of the timeline. I'm I'm under the impression that Sean knew Wednesday when they put him up there on a podium. Jeez. Mm-hmm. I don't know for a fact yet, but that's kind of like, and he was kind of, and this is why he's still on staff, you know. Um, this is why he's, which is again a, a kind of a, a bizarre construct, hmm. if you, if you're asking me, because he really is powerless at this point. Um, how's this going to work moving forward? I mean, I, we keep joking amongst us reporters. It's like, 
okay, so who's going to be up there on the podium on on Wednesday? Is it going to be Sean talking about Matt's play calling? You it's got to be Matt. It's got to be Matt. It's, it's strange, right? Because here's the thing, right? You know, I was talking to Rob about this, and we had Sealski on earlier. Um, I said, I said to these guys, this to me appears to be a firing being masked as a demotion, and let's you know, let's call it what it is, right? So there are two, like there are two sides of this thing. There are some people who believe that okay, the personnel was never playing up to snuff, or they didn't, or they didn't have the personnel at all. Therefore, Sean Desai's job was more difficult. Some people say, well, they they're not this bad. Sean Desai should be able to make something happen with this, you know, with this group of personnel. I'm curious to know, Jeff. You know, where do you fall on, you know, on either side of things? Yeah, I mean, as again I mentioned, you know, in terms of like talking about Brian and his confidence, maybe he didn't have confidence because he didn't have the guys in the back seven. From what I understand, there's like there were some um, issues with the guys in terms of how they're being utilized. Uh, they, they want more man defense, which I guess he was playing more of. And, and quite frankly, I think Slay's the only guy in that secondary that can can consistently play man defense. Um, so that, which brings in the whole question of personnel, right? I mean, these are decisions that were made in the offseason to bring back Darius Slay and James Bradbury, two over 30 cornerbacks. You know, I think going into the offseason, I think a lot of people thought Bradbury wouldn't come back. And and then we, all of a sudden we, they released Slay and then they brought him back on another deal. To bring both guys back, I think you can certainly question because they're both not fast guys anymore. You probably won't maybe someone on the other side uh, that can kind of um, uh, compliment Darius Slay uh, per se. Now, you know, Bradbury played well last year. He was an all pro uh, second team, all pro first. So, you know, did anyone see this coming? Um, maybe some regression, but I, I don't think anyone would think that he would slide back this far. So these are decisions that Howie Roseman made again, letting CJ Gardner Johnson walk. And I put a stat out last week, you know, the Eagles had as many as inter- as many interceptions, as CJ had nine games last year for the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying CJ had to come back. I mean, there was other issues with him. He's definitely a wild card, I think, in the locker room at times. But in terms of, like, athleticism and speed, he brought that to the secondary, and now they don't don't have that, really, if you're asking me. So um, I don't know where I – you know, I think it's, like, pretty much all the above in terms of why they're they're not doing well. Sean was not doing a good job, and – when you're pass rush, you invest as much as you you have in the pass rush, and you're just not getting home um, for a large, you know, period of a game. And and this is what the Eagles have built their defenses on. Then I think that's when you know they looked at the scheme and, and looked at the coordinator and felt like something had to change. Yeah, and that, that's where I was going to go with you, Jeff. I mean, it's it's what look we all can look at the back seven and say there's probably lacking talent there for the most part. You know, you let see you let Hargrave go, understood. But that's a talented lot not to be. I mean, they've fallen off in the run game. They don't get to the quarterback. That's you're not going to fire players or you're not going to move players or change their roles. So that that to me was the indictment. The biggest indictment was right there. Right. And and I should mention, too, when we're talking about personnel, I mean, you know, some of it was injuries. I think the Avante Maddox injury and, and behind that was Zach McPherson. Don't people don't talk about that very much because he was going to be the next slot. So they lost their top two slot guys. And that became an issue. They brought Bradley Robin in. He's kind of settled it down a little bit, but they don't trust him to be out there on third downs. Eli Ricks is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, then you went and got um, at the safety position, Kevin Byard, and he don't look like he fits in the scheme. Now, this could be something that has led to them changing um, mm-hmm. the the call, the play caller. 
Maybe we'll see, maybe Kevin will flourish with Matt Patricia calling the plays, but he has not been a great fit. And then all of a sudden you'll, we're going to see what Shaq Leonard's got uh, left in the tank because he's going to start with Zach Cunningham out. So, you know, Sean Desai's had to handle this as well. Three new guys thrown into the, into the mix that he didn't know. And all of a sudden, Hey, figure out how to work this out. And, and, and in how he's defense, I mean, these are moves that were kind of precipitated by injury, right? Nicobe Dean also went down for the season. So that's why I'm doing a linebacker. I mean, so he's trying to make things work. Did he make the best moves? I think now you can look at it and say, mm, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, and, and did he invest enough in the linebacker and safety spots? We know that in terms of their philosophy, that's where they're going to go light. And, and I understand it. I'm, I'm on board with that theory. But did they go too light? Could you have like brought TJ Edwards back? Okay, don't bring back both linebackers. Bring back TJ Edwards and – uh, maybe not spend as much on, on, you know, the Bradbury deal or, um, you know, maybe a few other places where they, where they've allocated their resources. You know, uh, Jeff, I'm curious, what do you think uh, in terms of the message that everything that's been going on this week with Sean Desai and Matt Patricia, what message do you believe this sends to Nick Sirianni and the rest of the staff and also could this potentially send the wrong message to the players? I think the players wanted this, um, and that's kind of what precipitated it. Obviously, Nick ultimately has to want it. I think, you know, I think certainly Howie Roseman's uh, voice is heard. Um, you know, from what I understand, Matt Patricia was kind of put on Nick's radar because Howie had a relationship with him. Um, so uh, in terms of messaging – um, I guess, yeah, every coach has got to know that <laughs> he can get demoted in season. <laughs> I mean, like it was just like four weeks ago, Sean Desai was a hero for, for limiting Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And everyone thought, okay, it was really the offense was the problem, not the defense. And then all of a sudden, I mean, like it's just kind of, it went spiraling downhill very fast. Now, that being said, there were, there were points during the season, the first couple months, like, I mean, the whole Washington games, I was wondering, what's he doing here? How's Sam Howell carving him up? And even if you look at that, that Chiefs game, I mean, he had a bad call on on that one where uh, Valdez Scantling dropped it. Was, Val, was, Valdez was Scantling dropped it in the yeah. end zone. I mean, that's that's seven points. There were drop passes. If like some of those get completed, we're not yeah. talking yeah. about Sean deciding the Gabe Davis side. drop or the Gabe Davis miscommunication. I mean, between J- Jonathan, no, that was a Bills game. Situation. Cook got Cook got behind Nick oh. Morrow um, on that wheel route and dropped a, a short seven points. So like. Those are kind of masking some of the flaws in, in the scheme. So I'm not sitting here suggesting that Sean Desai didn't need to get demoted. But, I mean, it's – I feel for the guy, too. You know, like this is his yeah. career, and all of a sudden, like, it, you're they're pulling the, the, the zip cord pretty darn quick. Yeah, it's a bad luck uh, for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jump to the offensive side, Jeff. Um, and, and I don't know if you've heard anything on Hertz. Uh, we know he flew out separately, not feeling well, et cetera. But – Assuming he goes, and and I don't I don't know uh, if he does or not, but um, yeah. what, what's your what's your feeling on how he's playing? You, you, you uh, just generally of late. Yeah, I'm checking now to see because I have a couple of texts out about whether okay he's, okay um, he's going to go. I mean, uh, what I last I was told was that like you know he's flying out. That's a good sign. That tells you you know our expectation is that he'll play. Yeah. Um, my guess is he'll play um, unless there's some sort of sig- significant setback that he's had today. But in terms of his performance this season, I mean, you know, he's regressed a little bit. Um, I, I hate even using that word because I think, you know, we have to look at this sometimes in the bigger picture and just take a step back and be like, you know, there are things, areas in which he has really improved. Um, he's definitely thrown better from the pocket. Um, but 
this was this was bound to happen when you have as much success as the Eagles had last year offensively. They're gonna the the best defensive coordinators in this league are really smart. They're gonna study the heck out of that film and they're gonna find every little tendency and they're gonna take that away from you. And the Eagles have struggled in that regard. Some of that falls on Nick and, and Brian, um, but some of that also falls, I think, on Jalen. And he just hasn't been able to kind of be as effective in the run game. When I mentioned that, I should also say that this was a guy that was playing through a knee injury in the middle of the season. So that probably played a part in it. Um, it was weird. I think like they, maybe they're trying to help him in terms of like protecting him. And but some of that running it was just like it was just sliding. He wasn't seem like he was moving as well. Um, and then, um, you know, I think that's affected him um, in regards to affected the entire offense now because you, your running backs aren't getting as much contact, uh, many free yards before contact, right? And then, you know, this this offense the last two years, the previous two years, um, isn't like a run first, run heavy offense, but the run is so important for them because it really does open up a lot of what they can do in the passing game. And now that they haven't just been able to run as much, especially with the R, the zone read game, the RPR RPO game. It's like they can't even go to that well, really, like they used to anymore. So that's hurt the offense. Um, and then in terms of just like the drop back passing game, I think there's times when Jalen's look great. These last few weeks, I, I felt like maybe some, in some cases, because a lot of teams are playing man defense on him, um, he's forcing some of these throws. Now, again, they'll take some of those forces to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith because those guys can win in the air. Right. And they're really good quarterback, uh, really good receivers, and the same could be said for tight end Dallas Goddard. But a few times when maybe just, hey, you know, just go check it down here or just make this, make this throw, this easier throw where you can get the first down. Yeah, Jeff, I think what we're seeing, especially when it comes to Jalen Hurts, I think we're literally watching the development of a young quarterback. And I think some of us were – a bit jaded by his meteoric rise from year one as a starter to year two as a starter. And now what we're seeing in year three as a starter, we're seeing this guy who's kind of feeling his way around these new looks that defenses are throwing at him. You know, the schedule is more difficult. He's going up against a high caliber and defensive coordinators and defensive minds, defensive talent. We're literally watching this guy develop right in front of our eyes and they're winning in the process to an extent they're 10 and three. I mean, so, um, this is kind of the perfect situation in terms of just, look, he's still growing, but you're right in the thick of maybe getting the number one seed. Um, do you think that uh, the way we, the way people have been looking at Jalen Hurts could be a bit unfair or unrealistic in terms of his growth, especially everything that I've just mentioned with the nuke, with the coordinators and the schedule and watching him develop? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, look again, you said this about the whole entire team. They're playing better competition. Um, and then look, step back and like, you know, just three weeks ago, Jalen carried the team to victory against the bills. I mean, like, so I, I know this is a week to week business. Um, and you know, the emotions of fans and some of the media is, is built upon you know, the whole week to week, uh, um, you know, thinking, but it, as you mentioned, it is important to step back and look how far he's come. And then maybe last year things were, you know, came a little too fast in terms of like what your expectations are for Jalen. Um, you know, this is just a process and this is what Jalen's going to have to go through. He's still very young, as you mentioned. Um, the new coordinator was, was, you know, something that he had to adjust to the, um, you know, the way defenses are playing to playing him is something he's adjust to the, uh, the franchise contract now. I mean, like there's a lot more riding on uh, this kid's uh, shoulders than before. And then like, I think what the Eagles are looking, what they're admitting here these last few weeks is like, you know, I, like Jalen didn't play 
that badly against Dallas. Like, I mean, there were drop passes. There were ball. There were obviously two other fumbles. He can't fumble the ball, and that's an issue as well. Um, he didn't perform that poorly, I thought, in the Dallas game. Um, so I think the Eagles are taking that into perspective. But if the defense can't get off the field and the offense, because this is teams built around offensive strength and staying on the field and scoring points, if the defense can't do their uh, fulfill their end, then it just then it falls uh, puts more pressure on Jalen and the offense to come through. And and I think that's not only that's not not the way the Eagles want to build this thing. Rob, uh, if I can sneak this in real yeah, quick, ahead, his last thing in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really if you really look at what he's been doing all season, right? The only thing that really stands out is the turnovers. You know, right? He has yeah. he, I think he has 15 on the season. But if you really look at his numbers, you know, from you know, if you take a step back and look at his numbers, he's throwing the ball more. He's completing his passes at the same clip. Um, he's on pace for more touchdowns, you know, so uh, he's on pace for more yards. So one can argue he has taken a bit of a step forward, but the turnovers kind of mask that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, the turnovers, I mean, are bad. You just can't have as many turnovers as – and they're not like, you know, some of them are fluky. There are a couple interceptions that were fluky, but some of them just aren't. And, you know, when you – make these mistakes is because there's other reasons that are leading to the mistakes that are being made that, you know, you're not playing as well as you need to play in terms of executing a, a play. Um, the other, the, one of the issues I think for Jalen that they have to fix, if we're going to go look at this from a kind of a micro point of view, is just like the blitzes and the six and seven man pressures. The Eagles are facing more than any um, offense in the NFL and they're not doing very well against it. And, and, and I think some of that has to do with like, They've given Jalen more at the line. They've given him more responsibility. Now, uh, Jason Kelsey is generally responsible for, um, you know, setting the protections versus those blitzes. But but Jalen sometimes has a say too. And I think there's maybe been occasionally um, some miscommunication there in terms of what needs to be done. And 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 I think, but also some of it falls on the scheme. Like I feel like they need to have better built-in answers for Jalen versus the blitz. I don't really kind of like what they give him sometimes when he's got a hot read, you know, a free rusher in his face. So I think you could sprinkle it all around in terms of blame when we're talking about how they've handled the blitz. All right, Jeff, last one from me. We appreciate you giving us some time here. I know there's a lot of variables tonight, but feel like a win to you. Where, where, where do you, where do you fall yeah. in this game tonight for the Eagles? Well, I opened up um, my prediction when I <clears throat> handed it in on Friday by picking a victory um, since then, we found out that Slay had knee surgery. We found out Jalen Hurts is sick, and we found out that uh, the Eagles have changed. Their yeah, nothing's really changed. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, <laughs> in the end, she edge here. But Geno Smith is probably not going to play. Um, that's obviously a big loss for the for the Seahawks. Um, I, you're looking at the numbers, looking at the the way that they who they've beaten, who they've lost to. It's just like I, this is not a great team, um, and I think defensively they're very susceptible, especially up the middle. You can really attack those safeties. They miss tackles. They may, they try and jump routes. And and I just feel like there's an opportunity here for the Eagles to really have some explosive plays offensively. If they do their jobs and don't turn the ball over there, they make mistakes and yeah, all bets are off. And then, and then this could be just the perfect recipe for Matt Patricia jumping in there. I mean, obviously playing in Seattle is tough. The 12th man is one of the best uh, home field advantages in the NFL. So I take that in consideration. They still have Bobby Wagner. They still have some talent on that uh I'm sorry, offensively, they still have DK mm-hmm. Metcalf. They still have Tyler Lockett. They have some talent on that side of the ball. But with no Geno Smith um, and, you know, look, look at that offensive line. There's some really cracks in the middle of it. I feel like the Eagles defense can, can get after um, Drew Locke. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Listen, we appreciate it, Jeff. Always safe flight back. Thank you so man. Much, and, uh, 
Who knows what next week has in store? Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Jeff. Appreciate right. it, man. Merry Christmas. Travel safely, sir. All right. Yeah. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the time there. How about that? You put your predictions in on Friday, and it's uh, Slay, knee surgery, uh, Jalen's sick. It doesn't even fly with the team. And then the Patricia thing. It's like, oh, my God, man. The gift that keeps on giving, Mr. It's Ellis. Amazing. There's always something to talk about, man. Always something to talk about. All right. So let's look at it, Tone. Uh, give me your give me your storylines, your predictions, uh, how you think this thing shakes out, because we've got about three minutes left here in the show. Um, if I can make it really quick, uh, I think the Philadelphia Eagles do win this game. Um, I think they win the game uh, 28 to 23. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a physical game. I think this game is going to come down to the fourth quarter. But I ultimately ultimately believe the Philadelphia Eagles are going to snag a double-digit lead. And then Seahawks are going to score late, try to get it close, maybe kick an onside kick, but they won't, but they don't get it. So I think I think the Eagles win this game 20 to 25. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, 28 to 23. I'm rolling with that. 28 to 23. Okay. Uh I'm going to go 27-20 Eagles. I think Hertz plays. I think he plays well. I think they do get back to running the ball somewhat. I'm not telling you it's going to be a crazy amount, but I think they'll run the ball well. Uh, I think they will force if it's Drew Locke into an uh, into a turnover. They're going to force it, which will be big. Uh, I think you're going to see um, Metcalf and and the receiving crew for Seattle are are going to do some damage, but I don't think they're going to go nuts. And I think you're going to see the pass rush return uh, for the Eagles, which means Reddick will keep doing what he's doing. I think Josh Sweat maybe this serves as a little bit of wake up call to him. Um, but listen, in terms of like just handicapping this game, it's a challenge because there are so many things. We still don't know officially if Geno Smith's going to play or not. We don't know if Jalen's going to play or not. You know, we do know that it's going to look different defensively, but what exactly is going to look different about it? So it's it's a hard game to predict. My gut yeah. tells me Eagles. I don't see the Eagles losing three straight. I think this team's too good. I think they're better than Seattle. Plain yeah. and simple. I think they're better. So what's your prediction one, one more time on the records now? 27-20. 27. I think the Eagles win this 20. thing 27-20. Yeah. Okay. I think that um, All right, so so you and I have us have have them scoring about the same amount of points. Okay. Yeah. That's reasonable. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh but no, I I uh, expect we'll be talking about a win uh tomorrow and no doubt a million storylines uh especially everything that that's setting up as of right now. Man, we still have 6 hours to go until this bad boy is kicked off, but we will uh we will get right. through it. We will get through it. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. Don't go anywhere because uh, we have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Tone will be a part of that as well. Uh, so everybody appreciate you. Have a great rest of your Monday. And again, uh, same time, same place with a full breakdown uh, tomorrow of everything that happened in this Eagles game. So uh, we will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. All right, everybody have a great rest of your Monday. We are Sports Take. Thanks. Appreciate it.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.